Welcome to the Republican Professor this morning. Wow, did I this morning somewhere? It's not morning in California, though. Wow, I'm tired, I guess. Uh, it's morning in China, okay? Um, this afternoon in California, and this evening, where our guest is, we have the most youngest guest ever on TRP. Setting records, everyone. She's so young, she has negative age. She's actually negative age, years. This is news to me. Miss Isabeth Sweet. And I feel like I totally screwed your name up because it's your totally name... okay. My my family can't even say my name right. I'm serious. They have phonetic uh defects. Okay. So, so how, totally do it. It? how do you say it? How do you say it? Isabeth. It's so Isabeth. my my name is spelled Y S A B E T H, but you can imagine the Y is like an E. That seems yep. to help people put it together mentally. I always say Elizabeth in my mind, and then it's like I look at your spelling and it's never right. So it's like okay. <laughs> But I got sweet, right? So yeah, yeah. Thank you for having me on. I, I'm I'm really looking forward to our discussion today. Well, it's good to have you uh, on, and um, I I did actually did not know that you were the youngest ever until like two minutes ago. So you are how old? I'm 21. I turned 21 in February, and sometimes I feel okay. like I'm going on five, and then some days <laughs> I feel like I'm going on 30. <clears throat> When I first met you four years ago in South Carolina, um, uh, where you had to listen to me talk about logical fallacies, um, <laughs> yeah. it was a pleasure. A, <laughs> so, oh, thank you. Um, you were, you guys were great. Uh, I noticed uh, you as very young in age, but to me, you felt like an old soul to me and um you were also quite popular i noticed um <laughs> i think you got some kind of award for being like the most popular person or something i don't know i can't remember am i remembering that correctly if the camera camp? was any higher than it is because the monitor i have is pretty tall i actually keep uh 7m gen stuff on my mirror but yeah it, it was the um it was the climber award that's what it was i oh. i got that the last year that i was there and yeah i don't really know if i was quote popular or not okay. but right. there was um i feel like this kind of happens at any reoccurring camp but there's if, if people were there from the very beginning there's a really good chance that they'll collectively stick together and i don't want to say a click because we always try to behave kind mm -hmm. to everyone that attended camp but there was a there was a very tight-knit group that went every single year so it just kind of ended up happening to where me and a few other people we were just recognized as people that consistently were around and it was just yeah. showing up that created that that I don't want to say click but that created that popular widely recognized group of people but okay. we we always tried to be inclusive yeah i thought i noticed that it didn't seem to me that there were i didn't notice any clicks that were no no favorites or just yeah. okay. repeat repeating attendees oh okay i got you so um and you're an artist and you may be able to tell from looking at her you may not it's hard to know. 
Sometimes, yeah, I wear pretty but... boring clothes, which is a little bizarre, but <laughs> so you're either like a that. movie star or an artist of some kind. So you're so you have you're an artist. How did you get into art? So and what is, kind of what kind this... of art do you do? I think I see some evidence of art stuff behind you. Well, I, my style is overall pretty boring. I, I love neutral colors, which is ridiculous because whenever I'm doing any form of art, it ends up being so colorful that it's <laughs> like, are you sure you're sure you're the artist? You know, I'm like, yeah, I am. Um, but I remember when I was first designing like generalized business cards and my mom was like, oh, well, you need to you need to have some sort of title. And I was like, well, I, I, I guess I'm a CEO. I, I guess I can sort of put that on my business card. But then I had to put artists next to it. And it just bothered me because there's this stigma that goes that goes yeah. along when you think of artists. You think of someone really introverted and up in their head, yeah. sitting in their mom's basement, you know, trying to make a living off of selling art on the side of the road. Or maybe they're doing art shows. You just think of someone like with really low self-esteem that's like really up in their head. And that just like was not me. So I hated putting artists next to my name. Oh. Um, so I stopped putting artists next to my name. I think the last title that I tried to come up for myself was artistic entrepreneur because it just it just it, artists didn't truly capture the mindset that I had. So, yeah, yeah, so I technically I technically am an artist. So you got you got that part right. Um, and what kind of art right. do I do? I actually had to make a note for this because I am a I don't have all my balls in one court. I have to have them in every court possible. <laughs> Jack of all trades, master of none. Um, so oh. when I I remember and this is not me trying to brag or <laughs> but when I tried to generate a resume for a work order that I had. When I was redoing, I was like, is this really going to expand to two pages? I think I need to start cutting some things out because I just try so much that it just gets way too big. But the downside of that is you are a master of none. So there's no area in particular that I'm an expert at per se. I just have wide, like a really wide view of all those things. But um, the okay, list. So you were you were 17, I guess, when four I years ago started. That. Okay. So yeah, I, well, yeah. I well, yeah. no, no, no. I mean, when I first met you, I'm saying, Oh, um, yes, yes. so I, I thought of you as young. I thought of you as a teenager. I mean, I was like, okay, she's a teenager, but, but that I think the, this is the reason it stuck in my mind is because usually when I'm around teenagers, which is like all the time, um, <laughs> right. They don't, That's kind of your job. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, it's you, uh, you specifically, um, I have memory, different memories for each person there. And you specifically hit two different boxes. You hit the business box and the artist box. Yeah, and I don't exactly. feel like I ever see those boxes together in a young person. No, they might be in, a, in an older person. They might yeah. be in the older person, but but I, I don't remember how I got that impression. It must have been something you told me. Must have, maybe mm -hmm. you gave me your card. I don't know. I, maybe you gave me your card. I can't remember. But but you you had this business already, and and you were like, yeah, I'm an artist, and I it's my own business. I'm an entrepreneur, and I'm like, geez, that. And how <laughs> old are you? What what's going on? So yeah. yeah, that's how I remember you. Yeah, well, that's that's correct. I I my brain 
does check off two boxes, but I feel like both those boxes can exist in the same space. That's the stereotype, at least. Um, but I know more and more entrepreneurs these days are, if they're artists as well, they're trying to make a profit from what they love doing, which is being an artist. But like I said, yeah. that stigma really put a stumbling block in my path for a really long time. Cause I was like, I don't want that title. I don't want the artist title, but I also gotcha. don't want people to be like, Oh, she's, she's, she, I, you don't know what I do if I don't say I'm an artist. So yeah, it's a, it's a broad term, but yeah. So the, you, uh, the list right now. Yeah. Create I create stuff. stuff. Yeah. I think that's, that's very vague, but correct. The, the you, list right now is pretty long. What kind of stuff do you create? I know paintings. Yeah. Uh, so that but also like stuff you can hold in your hand. I mean, well, you can hold a painting in your hand, but, mm -hmm. but like ornamental stuff, it seems like you like. It's, it's mixed media. Um, I also build things. <laughs> I have no other way to things. put it. I build things like the other day or the other <laughs> month, I guess I took up a project where I built like a giant pegboard. Um, I don't know if that's art or not, but I made it, I made it look like art. You make but the, stuff. Yeah. I make stuff. Well, yeah. I've seen some of your paintings and, um, I, that's exclusive I, content. <laughs> I appreciate that. I, I lingered over many of them and I noticed as I was lingering, lingering over them, pondering them that I was lingering over them almost like without my uh, control, being able to control. So there's something about your art that does capture at least my eyes. I'm sure probably many people. And Thank you. Um, it's, you know, obviously we can't show it here uh, because you have a copyright issue that you want to protect. Um, but um, you, uh, I think actually artists need to think in business terms as early as possible. Oh my gosh. So, yes. 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 Because that's how the work gets done. I mean, you, you have to be able to, unless you're already rich or something, but right. The bills um, don't get paid if you yeah. don't make money. So was that the reason why you gravitated toward businesses? You had a sense in your childhood that bill, bills need to get paid. No, okay. no, not at that age. It was, it was a combination of two things. One was that business runs in my family. I, I work for a family and I've always grown up in a family business. So my father is primarily entrepreneurial and my mom's uh, a tech whiz. So it was kind of the perfect, it was the perfect storm. <laughs> my parents offspring, aka me. Your to mom is a tech whiz? Yeah, she used really? to be a programmer back in the day, and then she decided to uh, come home when she was when she was pregnant. Well, actually, no, she wasn't pregnant with me when she decided to stop working. I think it, I was like a young thing, like maybe three, four years old, and then she became a stay-at-home mom. But oh. because of that, I wow. I got really good education from both no sides. No kidding! Wow. Yeah, did your mom and then I was go to school, school for that? Did she go to school for programming? Probably. She did. I think she went to USF in Tampa. Oh, okay. And then my dad went to FSU and he has, he has a couple degrees. I, I don't want to inaccurately portray what his degrees are, but he got degrees. <laughs> so did my I mom. Know. So the only programmer I know of is, wait, is your mom named Mark Zuckerberg by chance? 
<laughs> You're funny. Uh, it's close. <laughs> okay. Well, that's the only one I know of. So I've heard of him. Well, he, she knows, she knows old codes. She, she knows old languages. So okay. when she became a, a stay at home like, mom, like that skills... and Hebrew. No, no, no. no. A, I mean like dumb, computer ling. Yeah. <laughs> like, I hope that's a joke. <laughs> yeah. Wow. This guy's really dumb. Wow. Uh, yeah. Crossing my fingers. You mean like C plus or something like that. Is that a name of one? C plus uh, Python C plus oh my yeah my mom would know these better but you know the yeah. the newer languages she doesn't know those now but if you asked her to code something 20 years ago i'm sure she'd be able to do it but yeah it'd be, so, it'd so it was be a weird to get an a it'd, it'd be weird to get an a and c plus that, that would look weird on your transcript it's like wait it which, would. which one is the class you're yeah. not sure if you're is in it, trouble it's... or not <laughs> that's actually that's actually true. I don't, I don't really know if it would show up on a transcript like that. I don't know if entire no, Mom, courses were dedicated. The class. That's the name of yeah. the class. Who knows? Did you get a bad grade or you <laughs> learned how to code? Who knows? Wow. What an interesting background that you have. Do well, you have any brothers was, or sisters? I do. Yeah. I have a, I have a little sister. Her name is uh, Anna and she's 16 now 16. going on 30 also. Okay. You guys yeah. grow up fast there. We did. Yeah, we okay. did for sure. All right. How has that been for you? Was that rough? Growing up fast? Yeah. I feel like it was innate. I, okay. No, no, I, I don't. I don't. It was kind of innate. Kind of just I blinked and I started taking <laughs> things seriously. You, you Everyone were... told me to slow down, but I just didn't know how. Do you wish <laughs> that you had gone to public schools? Oh, I did. I did. Oh, you did. So, okay. Sorry. I thought you yeah, were homeschooled. Yeah. Okay. No. Well, I mean, I I was, I'm in college now. I'm in, I'm going to Hillsborough community college for a bachelor's degree and in business administration. So, oh, I meant K through 12 public school. Did you, do you wish that you had done that? I did. I did do that. Oh, you I did went, do that. Uh, oh, okay. yeah. Pre-K through fifth grade. I was in oh. public school and then I got oh. pulled out in sixth grade. Oh, okay. And so you finished in homeschool. Yeah, I finished in homeschool and now I'm going back to, you know, a secular right. public college. All right. So I was trying to figure out how you got the the maturity thing going. And I think I figured it out. I think it's because you were in homeschool during high school because high school has a lot of uh, junk. It's got a lot it of does. stuff that takes up your time. And yeah. it's not clear that it it's in fact, I'll just say it. It's not. It's clearly not uh, getting you more mature. <laughs> That's not what it's designed for. Um, no. It's designed to uh, make you as dumb and lazy and entitled as possible. I don't know. That's my, uh, you know, but you obviously uh, started getting things together earlier. So how's college going for you? How's college? Um, well, when I... Actually, no, that's not true. I was going to say I started to experience a disconnect with people my age in high school, but that's not true. I, I started to experience a disconnect and call in uh, a disconnect from like my colleagues and people my age as early as fifth grade. I, I started to notice that there was a uh, there was a difference in between me and the people that I was with, especially in public school. 
the difference isn't as noticeable in homeschool world because you're right there. It's a, it's a totally different environment. Parents are paying attention. Uh, guardians are paying attention. They're, they're making sure that everyone gets a, that their kids um, get a solid education. And so mm-hmm. everyone ends up, ends up competent adults that can handle things. Yeah. But um, because of that, because of that disconnect, it, can't, it carried over into college and now it's even more prevalent. And I don't think it's because of the uh i don't think it's because of the overall environment that we're living in i think it's generational i think that disconnect carried over from you're just young and you're homeschooled to now it's not just oh a difference in between which school you went to but which generation you're from uh i noticed that a lot of the people that i have gone to school with whether they're strangers or i know i've known them for a while they just they're not really interested in excellence. They're not really interested in being mm, exceptional or being really good. good at what the, and the, their common knowledge and their motivation usually is pretty low. I just watched yes. this video the other day yeah. with my fiance and I'm, they, oh gosh, it was some prevalent YouTube channel, but some guy was doing an interview on the street and he, he was interviewing primarily like Gen Z and millennials. And he asked them, what state is in Michigan or something like that? Oh, no. And 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 you no. know what they were like? They were like no. Australia. <laughs> but what? were they kidding though? No, they were they really did not know what state Michigan was in. And it could have been another state, but I was just giving an example. And they they yeah. really were that confused. They didn't know how many stars were on the American flag. They didn't know what, what the Civil War was about. Someone said the Civil War was and I could be totally getting this wrong, but you generally get it that they were like, oh, it was Germany versus the Nazis. Oh, and I, my, my face just went blank. And this is what I encounter on campus all the time. Like people just, they just don't care. They don't know. They're usually pretty unmotivated and they just don't care. Like I went to, um, I took a business class this past semester and it just shocked me how many people in between the ages of 25 and, and 35, because usually the demographic for those courses are a little different because of the subject matter. Mm-hmm. But I remember this business paper was due and I was working my butt off to get it done. Like I wanted real data. I wanted real results and I wanted the paper to get an A. I wanted it to be real and authentic and true. And half of my classmates were looking at each other and looking at me and going, she's literally a psychopath. Why does she care about this this much? I'm just going to spark notes my, my paper or get data online. I'm like, that's not how that works. And because of it, I didn't make many friends in that class because I just think there was just a disconnect. And I, and I still feel that on a daily basis. Hmm. I wonder how they did on their paper. I, I hope, that they didn't, they didn't get probably grade. got an A. Yeah, grade inflation. They probably got an A. That's the thing about college is so I can far. work harder than them and they'll still get the same grade as me, but I don't look at college as a an evaluation. I look yeah. at it as experience. Yeah, I'm I appreciate that you say that is Isabeth. 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 <laughs> Sorry. But you know what? I I'm going to do something slightly biblical here. And I'm going to apologize to you on behalf of the United States for failing you because it is not your fault and it is not the way it's designed. It's totally corrupt. And, and that is horrible. 
you should, if you're doing that kind of work, you should stand out in the grades. And it's, it's, it's just a travesty what's happening to young folks like yourself. Uh, and it's, it's the way it's designed because these kids are evaluating the professor. So yeah. then the professor, the way he gets a good evaluation from the kids is to hand out high grades like candy and lower yeah. expectations. Expectations. Oh, that's exactly what I was going to say. It's the expectation. Yep. Yep. You know, it doesn't matter if I work harder than the person next to me. If the person next to me just barely meets the requirement, it doesn't matter if I go above and beyond, which I do every time because it's just in my nature. <clears throat> yeah. But it's it's really disappointing when I put a yeah. hundred into something and someone else puts in 50 and we both get the same results. That yeah. that hurts. That's that's yes, a blow to does. the chest. And it's not just a blow to you personally, although it is, but it's a blow to our whole country. It's a blow yes, to the so state true. of Florida where you're at. It's a blow to that city and that county, because guess what? These people are going to graduate with low expectations, no standard of excellence, sloppy habits. They're yep. going to be stupid. They're going to not have, I mean, it doesn't mean that they can't turn things around if they want to mm -hmm. just like losing sure. weight you can but but they're they're not they're fit, maybe fit bodies fat minds as os guinness yeah. says and guess what there are entire i'll just take one example the criminal justice system the criminal justice system depends on you and me being dialed in and leveled up on critical thinking for example being curious being able to take in information and synthesize it, no, understanding truth from falsehood, these kind of skills that I was trying to teach you guys four years ago. And if you have fit bodies and fat minds, lazy people, first of all, they're going to try to get out of jury duty. So the yeah. worst people are going to be on the jury. And because those are the people that want to be there. And those are not necessarily people you want on the jury. Like you want, you don't want just someone that just ordinarily watches the prices right all day and oh, jury, that's something to do. No, I mean, you want normal people on the jury that are in the workforce that are dealing with things and uh, have a sense of propriety and justice. That's that's how the jury system is. And you mm -hmm. need people who are able to pay attention, have an attention span, um, are not always taking the shortcut on things. Those kind of people you described, your colleagues or your fellow students are the worst jurors and that destroys our whole system. So, I mean, it, it's just really bad. That's just one example. I could give you other examples too: the military, all sorts of things. So I commend you for your hard work and your uh, commitment to excellence. Thank you. Thank you. It runs in the family also. So I cool. feel like I got genetically blessed. <laughs> you think you got it from your younger sister? No, I think I got it from definitely from my dad. Everything dad. that, well, that I do. Sense. Yeah. Everything that I do to this day, the way that I do it, the way that I think about it has been influenced by my father. Uh, that's very sweet. I'm serious. <laughs> I'm not now, even trying to be nice. You guys know each other. <laughs> how did you guys meet? Me and my man. dad? Yeah. Just kidding. I have a very dry <laughs> a business humor, meeting. Uh, bit, yeah. Good. Good for you. Go do something productive. Don't don't listen to my dumb jokes. I was about to ask you what gender your dad was. That was my next joke on this on this, but clearly. Okay, so your dad. Your dad is awesome. 
I think my dad would identify as an OSHA standard if he could, <laughs> honestly. Wow. That is the uniquest, if that's a word, answer I've ever heard. Good for you. Dang. Yeah. We, uh, I work in just as a preface, what my, I've been doing. You just the gave past... us the title for the, uh, the episode. My dad identifies as an OSHA standard. OSHA standard. <laughs> it's not even about me anymore. It's about what my dad and OSHA standards. Oh, uh, do you know OSHA manuals? <laughs> <laughs> article 1.3.6 <laughs> wow that's a funny yeah. thing that you know what osha is i mean most of my, oh yeah oh my okay i have to tell you this story we'll get don't go worry. ahead keep i want i want to know about your dad's so get a good story but but um i'll tell you a story when i was teaching at cal state in in northridge which is part of los angeles city of los you angeles. live in la well i was working in la and I used to work, I used to live in LA County, not mm -hmm. the city, but the county. And now right. I, li I live in Orange County. And okay. I, so I was driving up to LA to work at Cal State uh, Northridge. And I was teaching, uh, which, which class was it? I was teaching um, today's moral issues. This would have mm -hmm. been the fall of 2014. And, um, so I, I think I wrote about this on Facebook, or at least I should have, <laughs> um, which is why I remember this stuff. Cause it comes up in my Facebook memories and I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot. I, blocked I remember that. that. I blocked yeah. that out. Yeah. So I happened to ask, cause I think we were talking about slavery or something. And I know it sounds kind of weird to talk about today's moral issues and slavery because it's not like today's moral issue, but it still is a kind of an issue with race. So uh, the background of America, you know, can you be proud of America? And so I, I asked, um, when was the Civil War? And I, I, I was expecting, you know, I, I thought that was a throwaway question, kind of like, where's the nearest McDonald's? Kind of right. like... You know, like when you when you ask where's the nearest McDonald's, you don't get like blank stares like what's a McDonald's like, you know, you, people are usually like, um, well, you know, maybe it, to the West. It's like <laughs> <laughs> on the corner. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, But here. I, I had the most blank stares. I, I mean, these are college kids and it was a sure it was a forget what level it was i think maybe it must have been a maybe it was a lower level course i can't remember i was i was using dan bonovic's uh he teaches at austin and i'm serious i did not rescue them i had to i had to make a decision because there's a point of social awkwardness yeah and, point of no return well there's a social awkwardness where you can come in and swoop in and rescue them and go okay remember it was 18 you know 61 to 65 right you know i didn't do that i was like okay i'm going to time this i want to see i'm going to time this mother and i'm going to see how many how long it takes them and i'm i'm not kidding it was like 15 minutes and i before anyone in the audience said when the civil war somebody, was finally a girl raised her hand she's really shy she said 1861 to eight. And I was getting the craziest answers. Like I'm talking about pre-revolution. I'm talking oh, about, Lord. I'm talking about 1900. I'm talking about during world war two. 
Um, oh, I, mean, it was, no. I was getting insane answers. And, and finally, one girl raised her hand, 1861 to 1865. And I said, what, excuse me, why didn't you say something before? And she said, I honestly am very shy. I thought somebody else would have it by now. And I said, okay. It's always the shy uh, ones. I said, can I ask you, I just want to ask you two questions. She said, oh yeah, sure. I said, what's your major? She said, chemistry. Chemistry. And She's she a had chemist- a better education. Chemistry than- major. I said, oh, did man. you go to public school she, for high school? She said, no, I was homeschooled. Uh, it's always the homeschool. That that <laughs> encapsulates oh, Los Angeles. Man. That 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 is exactly what we're talking about right there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I know what you're talking about. So anyway, it's always the homeschool. Um, your dad, go. Yeah. So like <laughs> I said before, the title of your podcast, my dad. Yeah. essentially identifies as an OSHA standard and OSHA manual for background. I actually work in restoration. So fire, water, mold repair. Oh, really? And I did not go into that voluntarily. It was the family business that it's a valuable, it's a valuable skill. Well, not very many people want to have that skill. I feel like the whole podcast could be just about the ridiculous things that I have encountered in restoration and Mm -hmm. I haven't even stepped on a loss since I was 13. Well, I used to get brought to business meetings with my dad when I was a little baby. And then I used to literally hold thermal imaging cameras (laughs) and and do loss evaluations. Uh, And then when I started working for him about actually exactly four years ago, this not today but this month will be four years i i didn't even take one foot on a loss and i i think that i know like my common knowledge is more than someone who will step foot on your property if you have a water damage loss and that's really really sad but just the most the most ridiculous things happen in every industry every industry has their hang-ups but the restoration industry i love these people but it's uh yeah it's what, um, what are we talking about hold on because when you say mold mold removal the first thing i think of is i'm in the fruit section at ralph's and and i'm looking at the blueberries Ralph's your local grocery store yeah i'm looking at I the got raspberries Publix here so i was like yeah, ralph's yeah, is that someone's similar. house like you just you it's, just walked you know, into someone's house and looking at their produce a piggly wiggly you know um you're looking at the raspberries and there's mold on there. So your job is to come in there and kind of get that mold off, the those, mold off those raspberries. And then you're, that's your job basically. Sometimes I wish that was my job, but no, but okay. the rest, if you're a restoration technician or just you work in restoration in general, it's, if I had to give like a scope of work, it's if your toilet overflows, if you have a roof leak, if you have some weird AC leak and then your mold or your wall starts growing mold or has microbial amplification or a fire happens. So any biohazard we, we deal with, but there is the reason I say my dad would identify as an OSHA standard is because we teach the, we own a, he owns a consulting company and we do a lot of training. So I, uh, I'm an event administrator, the marketer, the salesperson, you know, I wear a lot of hats. It's a family business, you know, <laughs> but 
when whenever we teach, we teach the same thing over and over and over again. And it's just like college where you ask everyone when the Civil War is and no one can give you an answer but you really want them to give you the correct answer because you want to have hope in humanity. Well, the same thing happens when you ask a group of full-grown men between the ages of 30 to 45, what OSHA is. Oh no, don't tell me. <laughs> and then this, and then Are the same serious? thing. They, okay. So they know oh, what OSHA is God. because their, their teams have to comply with OSHA standards. But the thing is, is that OSHA, okay. Is, in part of a document called the IICRC standards. And the IICRC standards is what dictates the so-called standard for the industry and best practice for remediation, mitigation, and restoration as a whole. So remediation is like mold, waters, like mitigation. Talking like and real, this is real estate. This is property, property repair. Property, this is, yeah. this is re yeah, like real property, like yeah. Bath, like if the hurricane Buildings. swept through California, yeah, building, yeah, building yeah. repair. Residential, commercial. Yes, residential, commercial repair. And I know this is like totally off and left field somewhere for your podcast. You, yes, you... we do. That's okay. Here's, yeah. Okay. So this, <laughs> this whole thing. So we teach the same thing over and over and over again, but it's all based on the standards. Okay. Mm. And I feel like if my dad was an inanimate object, and also a gender, it would definitely be the standards or an ocean manual because he brings around that thing like a Bible. Mm. But this the same way that you look at a crowd in a college college auditorium, <laughs> yeah, I look at people that work in the industry the same way when I say, okay, what's the definition of dry standard? Oh. <laughs> and just blank stares, like everyone thinks that they uh, can just oh call like how do you know when things are really dry like who who whoa. tells who yeah who tells you like how do you especially know that if they're like really dry especially in florida especially yeah. in florida I bet you that's and no there. one can no one can tell you the definition of dry standard but you know what's that's funny about it everyone's everyone gets their certifications from the iicrc but yet mm. can't give you the definition of dry standard and can't oh. tell you how to dry building and it's just, I feel like every industry and you're has 21 stuff and like you this. Know this. Yeah. Well, that's only because I've been taught it over and over again. If I went to another restoration firm and they hired me to go out on the job, if I did not have a proper education, and when I say yeah. proper, I mean my dad walks up into the firm and coaches <laughs> and, and owns everyone on the standards. I would have no idea what I'm doing and everyone around me wouldn't have any idea too, but you know what the consequence for that is. So just like college students, not knowing when the civil war yeah, is the time. consequence for that is, well, you're, you're lacking his, like basic American historical knowledge and right. it's going to ripple throughout your, your common knowledge. Yeah, but right. when people don't know how to dry buildings, buildings get left wet, Ooh. even though you think they're dry. Ooh. And that that could harm you all day long. So I, I know that's that's a weird parallel, but I'm see I see it everywhere. I it doesn't matter how people how old people are. It's just th this these gaps. They're yes. they're real. They're like chasms. Yeah. yeah. Wow, that's really depressing. I'm now yeah. depressed. But we know how to drive buildings. I just wish other people would listen to us because we go against the grain. But we're the what ones the, actually drying. What buildings. is the definition of dry? Well, the dash, the definition of dry, uh, 
that's that's yeah so that's one of those critical thinking points so dry the standard for dry can either be set through a drying goal um which has to be set through figuring out what's dry standard so dry standard could be one of two things okay it could be you set the standard based off of the moisture readings in a particular area of the structure that was unaffected which how do you really know that if you don't examine it and do an assessment first? That's another whole deal. Mm. Or it's set by a historical standard that you can get from like the USDA or the, wait, is it the United States Department of Agriculture? Yes. They they usually set standards for and when you, wood is you, dry. Okay. So you use that to, to measure the building you're talking about? How do you well, measure you use it? A, a moisture meter, use a moisture oh, meter a moisture and meter. you can have penetrating meters or you can have non-penetrating meters and you figure out if they're dry or not based off of using something called deep assembly moisture profiling. And this is essentially when you penetrate the wood to a point where you um, assess the moisture level of that assembly. Oh. Um, but the thing is, is I, yeah, I know I, my, my dad would probably be, is listening right now going, oh my gosh, she's botching this so bad. <laughs> But when you I'm trying to picture what this instrument is, is it like a needle, like a syringe? It's like your phone. Okay. It's like your phone. Does it go into the wood? Uh, Penetrating versus non-penetrating. It depends. But it's so when you think about wood, you know, wood has a capillary structure. Right. Like a microscopic capillary structure. So water is going to travel in particular directions. It's based off of how the how it was affected so if you don't measure the the moisture level in a particular area if you're not deep enough into the wood where the wood is actually wet then you don't know that things are wet or they're dry so people leave stuff wet all the time and they they don't even know that they do it and no one knows any better so carriers pay the contractor or the restoration company to dry out the building and the carrier uh, uh, will come in and be like, oh, yeah, OK, this is dry. But that's based off of a non-penetrating meter reading in the middle of the wall, even though the capillary structure. Is that OSHA? Is, is that OSHA kosher or is there a problem with the OSHA standard? Or no, there's nothing it... wrong with OSHA. It's the okay. IICRC standard that is dictating how things should be dried. What's and IRCC for some reason, stand for again? The institute. Oh man, the institute, the inter international institute, something for cleaning and and restoration. Hold on, I need to IICRC. Yeah, okay. So stands for. It's the, I can't, I don't want to get this wrong. The Institute of Inspection, Cleaning, and Restoration Certification. But they have multiple standards. Is that government or is it non-government? No, it's a voluntary standard. There's a a board that generates the language and the definitions and the meanings of all these things, but it's voluntary. But the carrier will beat restoration companies over the head for the to do the standard but no one knows how to do the standard and also no one wants to do what's required for the work again just overall i don't say laziness but most most people just don't want to do the work i think i'm getting a sense of what you're you're saying here you're saying 
that in your in this line of business, mm-hmm. you're obviously selling your your product, which is high quality restoration. And you're saying a lot of people don't know what high quality restoration even looks like, even just on the dry standard, for example. Just how do you know? Because Correct. if it's wet, that's where the mold comes from, like right away. It's and it's growing and it's disgusting and it hurts you. Yes. And so you're saying you're concerned about people's health. And well, not we're just, con- yeah, not just money that's wasted, but health. Yeah. And people people don't get that. I was on a yeah. uh, I was on a phone call the other day. It was so weird. I, I don't know if it was a scam or not. If it wasn't a scam, man, that that was a really good scam because I was sure full. <laughs> but I had someone on the phone the other day and they were they were just, yeah, they had this weird voice where it's almost like a spy is on the other end of the phone. So they're like really deep and they're talking like this and they're trying to convince you of something like they have All an spies evil wearer like in their basement. All spies yeah. say, have that way of talking. Precisely. That's how you know if they're a spy. Yeah, I thought, I think they were a spy because they were telling me, oh, I had some issue going on in in my basement or my living room give me this give literally i i'm not joking give me the solution like the liquid solution to get rid of the mold i'm doing it myself and i said sir maybe you should pick up a manual for professional remediation it's the (laughs) the (laughs) s520 um maybe don't remediate on your own he goes well y'all are crooks yeah we get that a lot by the way y'all are crooks and um y'all charge too much and this is a scam and i said okay scam. well if if you i was like okay well and and then he started calling out the people that i was working with they're like oh yeah they're they're scams too they're they're horrible people like y'all are hurting people and i said no we're actually we're actually here to help you but there's a reason that he thinks that though or maybe yeah. he's just a spy and his well, opinion doesn't matter in your lungs in two years uh, oh yeah my give yeah, us a call. yeah 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 Bad things can happen. Spider, when you have a spider web in your lungs, give us a call. Give us a call. Yeah. When you uh, kill yourself. Yeah. yeah when you kill yourself though. due to misuse and you didn't read the label on that solution that we told you to get, you can give us a call back. You can remediate the building, but you can't remediate the human lung. No, no, you cannot. There's this, uh, uh, this guy, actually, if you want to have an interesting person on your podcast, his which name I, is Mitch which I don't. I'm going to stop you right there. I, I'm not. I don't like interesting people. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you hate interesting Kidding. people. Then you're like, wait, what about me? <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm boring, but you know uh, it's okay. Yeah, I would love everyone to, to their own. What's your What's your suggestion? Yeah. So his name is uh anyone. I mean anyone listening. This is a shameless plug, but his name is Mitch Payne. I'll give you his contact information later. He can give you a really good idea and story about what happens when mold grows in your home and it's not properly remediated. Um, but we can get to that later. But it's it, his story is just completely fascinating. I think you'd be astonished at what happens when it's a whole new world. But so well, that yeah, guy, I, I've had a somebody on the podcast who had damage from mold. Yeah, and, the same, uh, the same, same situation. She's now a health coach. Her name is Sarah Jackson, and she goes by Sarah Jackson Coaching on Instagram. And uh, so she was on the podcast, and um, she talks about coming back from that. So, yeah, 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 it's it's, a, it's a really devastating. Deal. It's a real, really devastating, really devastating situation. Yeah, it's really bad. Absolutely. So, but this guy was 
calling us crooks and stuff. And I was like, I guess I can understand why you think that because when you see the bill for a proper, safe, yeah. uh, water damage restoration, the bill's usually not pretty. And guess it's what? If free. it's pretty, no. And if it, if it's pretty, there's a problem. Mm. Usually I'm not saying it can't be cheap to fix issues like that, but if, if water comes pouring into your house at 2 a.m., that Which it bill, never does in Florida. No, never. <laughs> Bad things never happen here, uh, especially including water and humidity. Wow. But the, that yeah. bill, it, it's it's like someone had to get up for that, you yeah. know? Yeah, someone yeah. had to do a, an yep. emergency service. Essentially, right. they had to extract the water. And while they're doing this, you somehow have to convince the, the customer, the insured, that what you're doing is is correct and that's why oh that's an uh, again i i feel like this entire episode is going to be about my dad now because i just go off on this actually this is good stuff because uh isa beth i always have such (laughs) you got uh, it you got it you got it this time Uh, i almost want to just call you miss sweet um (laughs) as i it's it's cool as i eat a chocolate bar um no, but what what is coming across to everybody here is how w- m- much of a business education you're getting on the job yes. because this is just business. I mean, it's no, yeah, it's tough out Nothing there. Nothing but mm-hmm. it's tough mm-hmm. out there, and you're doing customer service. You're doing quality yes. control. Yep. Um, and there's kind of a conflict between customer service and quality control because the customer doesn't want to pay for quality, but no. yet they do. And <laughs> they'll complain if there's not the quality later, but if they can't see it right away. So it's a tough business. Yeah. No, there's always contradictions. Yeah. There's always, yeah, no, there's a so. big contradiction between the standard the carrier beating the restoration company over the head with it, but then the standard also being voluntary. So how do you hold someone to a voluntary standard? But you know that the standard is the best way to a repaired structure. So that that conflict arises all the time. But, but yeah. back to what we were kind of saying before is that that gap in knowledge and wanting to be excellent and wanting to value integrity is just not there anymore. Your yeah, that's a perfect way to illustrate that. And your uh, fiance is yes. very lucky to be burying such a an educated person on that issue i appreciate that (laughs) no no i'm serious when you guys buy your own home lord willing um man i don't know if it's gonna happen right now with the recession well well, yeah it's tough out there i know everybody's moving to florida the prices are up but you you know you're you're um you're 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 just so far ahead of of people on on basic stuff like real estate stuff that um yeah you're you're these are lifelong skills you have you're you're developing and i understand you don't want to do it for a living but it's i nice probably to have options. I, maybe i will i don't know well, maybe, it's maybe nice i to have will options it's nice to have options. yeah options who knows is but your... you asked me earlier i'm yeah. sorry go ahead did you just call me a goat head i'm sorry i missed that 
Yeah, you were you were missing it the whole time. <laughs> I've never been called. I've been a secretly head. under my breath insulting you every goat couple head. seconds. Okay, what were you gonna say? You asked me earlier, what's the uh oh gosh, what did you ask me earlier? What was the reason that I became an artist or something like that? Mm-hmm. And I told you one, it was genetics, <clears throat> excuse me. And then two, it was it was actually the fact that I've been doing it since I was little. So it just kind of came to me. I mean, I, I've, I've sold sticky when I was in grade school, before I got homeschooled, I was one of those weird kids. Okay. I sold sticky notes under the (laughs) playground, like a drug deal. I had a partnership. I had a business partnership with one of my friends at the time and we'd sell sticky notes for like five cents a pop. My friend did portraits and everything. Yeah. Who's paying for these sticky notes? I think it was. It was either me or the school. So oh, it's considered wow. an investment. I got caught at some Left-o-mania. point. I was told not to not to do some sort of drug deal under the, under the playground stairs. <laughs> yeah. Sticky yeah. notes. Wow, what an idea. Wow. So wait, were you drawing anything on these things or were you just selling yeah. them? Oh, I did you were drawing on them. Oh, okay. I was drawing on them. I did commissions. Okay. And then my partner, I can't draw portraits to save my life i'm an abstract mixed media very very abstract yeah very abstract yes and it's only because i can't conceptualize 3d elements but she could do portraits so i'd have her do portraits i did more abstract stuff and then we did commissions i still have the notebook with with all the minute i was looking at one of your paintings and what was it called I, i don't know what it was called i forget i probably have it still pulled up but they all have let titles. Me, let me see. Let me see if I still have it pulled. The up. title's important for me. the The definition, the meaning, is always what dictate dictates the painting or the piece. Okay, hold on. Uh, well, what I was going to say about it was, I looked at it and I developed a belief that that's a sailboat on the ocean. And then the longer I looked at it, I didn't know why I believed that. <laughs> so. All that to say is that you're um, you're abstract, but it feels like like kind of non-abstract. Okay, so color mine field. It's an oil. Oh and yeah. And you also have another one that's called Patterns in the Wind, which is acrylic on that one's Kansas. still in my room, and the oil is in Plant City with one of my old uh, church friends. Cool. Speaking of church, um, do you want to go there? Yeah, let's go there. Okay. I'm I'm all game. All right. So um, tell us about your faith and tell us about your journey there. You believe in God? Yes. Yes, I yeah. do. I do. So I don't really know where to where to begin with this because it's well, begin just when the... you were a kid. Did you grow? Did you grow up in church? I did grow up in church. Yeah, we went to me and my family. I'm sure there were churches before the main one, but I only really remember going to this one church for about eight years. And I met a lot of the same people that I know there. There wasn't a lot of kids my age. So again, there was that that weird distance that forces you to grow up. (laughs) Did you you go to church only for eight years? Is that what you said? Or no. So I I was at church for 
eight years and then my parents went on sabbatical. So I stopped going because I wasn't driving. So I don't know. I didn't know what church to go to. And I have gone to church on and off since. Um, it's not that I didn't want to find a church. It's that I kept, I kept, I, I either, I can be kind of overly critical of environments like that because I come from a, it could you say hyper charismania environment. Um, so, and I'm like a Pentecostal environment. So because I just believe that some of the things that were going on were, they relied on emotions too much. And I don't believe that they were biblical that I struggled to find a church that I felt comfortable at, but then still embraced straight, straight up biblical truth. Um, but then I also felt like some of the churches that I was going to, there was a presence of legalism. So then I was trying to stay away from that. And I mean, I go to Bible studies with my friends all the time. I, but you know, I'm probably going to go to this local church on Saturday or Sunday. I'm I'm not opposed to church at all. It's just, I'm having problems finding balance. Oh, okay. So for people that don't know what Pentecostal means, what, how would you describe that? So this is something that I'm currently studying because I heard from some, someone that was talking to me about it, that Pentecost uh, it, it revolves around Pentecost and there's some, there's some relation to people wanted to have the same connection to Jesus or have the same abilities that the disciples did after Jesus was gone. Um, you know, so they were, they Pentecostals, they, and like I said, I'm in, still in the process of learning about this. So there, there's going sure. to be gaps in my knowledge. So all I have to speak off of is, is uh, experience and, and things that I do know. So just keep that in mind. Right. That's fine. But you, we uh, we believe, prim- I think what primarily sets us apart is believing in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I don't mean water baptism. I, I mean fire baptism. And fire baptism almost counts as like a second baptism uh, that you go through it, it like fire, like what happens in acts where they're, right. they just, they're waiting for God to do something. And then all of a sudden they start speaking in tongues. So they call it the second you're referring baptism. To the, you're referring to part of the new Testament, which is part of the Bible, Yes, which is called, it's a book called acts and acts, it comes after yes. John comes after the gospels. Yes. Yes. And the so yeah so pentecostals essentially are set apart from we believe in the second baptism and the us i guess you could say it's it's fair to relate if you're actually baptized in fire with the holy spirit that those abilities gifts whatever you want to call it manifest through speaking in tongues which I can't really find anyone who cohesively can agree on this, but it might be a angelic language. It might be a language that Satan can understand. It also might be, it also might be how they refer to it in uh, Corinthians when they're talking to the church of Corinth and they're, they're talking about how tongues essentially is, a way to communicate to the masses in one language. It's like a supernatural language in which everyone can understand you via one language. And then I've also heard people say that your prayer language is a different thing 
And then how you manage that is so beyond me. <laughs> like it, it gets really complicated really quickly. But because I come from that background and because there's sort of this very, it, it leaves room for a lot of show, a lot of um, emotional manipulation and a lot of unbiblical things to happen in a church when you introduce something that you don't even fully understand. So I'm talking like there's such thing as fire tunnels in which a bunch of people group together and and they they I don't know how to illustrate this. They stand opposite to each other and then almost make like a tunnel and then they raise their hands and then you walk through the tunnel and people pray for you. And there is a 50% chance that you will literally get knocked out by the Holy Spirit if you walk through it because he's just so powerful or, you know, people waving flags in the corner of the room during worship sessions and people like getting pat, like just passing out. Uh, people yelling in tongues, like entire rooms, like uh, I want to say yelling in gibberish because I know that people like really, really believe in that. But the more and more that I've thought about it in recent years and where I'm like, I don't know if this makes total sense to me anymore. Um, but yeah, so because of that environment, I drifted towards a church that maybe wasn't doing that. But then if you don't have that, you're going to you're going to end up like, like legalists, you know? So the balance is What do you mean by legalism? Thin. So I mean, legalism, well, it could be a few things. So one legalism, in my opinion, of course, from what I've read in the Bible and what I've seen in different church denominations could be that Jesus is not the only way to to uh to heaven you know it, it's okay. it's works like okay. workspace like your faith right. has to be workspace or what'll happen is um legalism could also be that yes jesus is the only way but you have to do certain things in order to be saved in order yeah. to have your salvation and then also legalism could be that because he's not going to respond to you if you don't have these boxes if you don't checked Exactly, exactly, precisely. But then also legalism, in my opinion, could could fit into the box where you Jesus is not the only way to get to heaven. Um, and works are the only way to heaven in the sense that you need to go through some sort of ritual to then obtain your salvation. So it doesn't make sense to me that that would be the case. And I've literally I've accidentally ended up in churches that believe this. Um, just because I was looking around and curious, but Romans, it's the Roman way, you know, it's very clear, you know, right. confess with your mouth and believe with your heart that Jesus is Lord and that's how you obtain your salvation. So, but I've been to churches where you need to, nah. <laughs> it risks for sounding ridiculous, be a disciple, like officially confess with your tongue and with your behavior that you are a disciple of Jesus, go make a disciple, be baptized, and then you're saved. Like you can't, but, and that's the way to Jesus, you know what I mean? And then Jesus is alone, you know, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of paths that legalism can take, but you don't want to end up in that either because your salvation can't be works based it, it said you can't earn it you can't earn it yeah that's that's what jesus did you know right 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 so it sounds to me 
uh, like you, you hold on to the Bible. You still believe yes, the Bible? Yes, I'm a Bible-believing Christian. <laughs> okay. Um, I think maybe someone might wonder if and they're listening to this in the future, um, if this sounds weird, the, the speaking in tongues thing sounds weird. Um, yes. Why don't you just abandon the Bible, which is where that picture and acts comes from where, where people get Pentecostal. It's a, you know, that's where the, the term comes from. Why don't you just abandon the whole Bible? You mean sort of theoretically abandon the Bible and talk about tongues or? Um, well, I guess what I'm asking is why do you hold on to the Bible? Why do you believe the Bible? Why do I believe the Bible? Yeah. That's a really good question. So I, I feel like if you see there's, there's, that's and a notice really good I, question. <laughs> I'm not like, I'm not trying to put you on the spot or anything. I'm no, just, no, 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 no. I'm trying to, um, I'm trying to think of a, a cohesive answer that, that makes sense. We did sense. not plan this, everybody. We did not, this is a real conversation. This is like, an, <laughs> this, yes, know, this is a real like conversation. You don't plan not your scripted. real conversations. You know, this, that's what we're doing. Yeah. We're, so we're just hanging out. No there pressure. Is, no pressure. While I value experience. Okay. Mm -hmm. I've, I've seen miracles. I've, I've seen, I've seen God in action. You know what I mean? And I see, I've reasoned through the complexity of the universe and everything that is. And I feel like God in general, not the Christian God, but God in general, a God gives me more answers for the things around me than it doesn't give me answers. Does that crack up in a whole line of theology and thinking and critical thinking in general. Oh yes, it does. But just right. in general, God makes sense. Okay. Okay. Makes sense. Why do I believe in the Bible? So again, I think experience is a really big factor in this because some people, they come to Jesus because they've had an experience, but generally speaking, the Bible gives me more answers than any other religion that I've looked into. I'm serious. Mm. I've, I've read part of the Quran. I've wow. read through, other, I've gone through multiple different kinds of theology, you know, book of Mormon things, things of that sort. And the, like the Christian Bible, you know, the gospels as, as you and I probably know them, that gives me more answers and makes more sense than anything else I've looked into. Wow. So why do I, okay. So if I believe in the Christian God, if I believe in Jesus and, and the Holy Trinity, you know, God, the son, the Holy spirit, why do I believe in the Bible specifically? And I don't, and I don't just like believe in experience only, which is usually right. what you get into with new age is it's solely based off of experience and rooted in concepts, rooted in concepts of what the universe is. And you are your own universe and things of that sort. But why I believe in the Bible is because if you believe in in Jesus, the Bible is the you know the traditional standard Bible. I'm not talking about Cath you know Catholicism or Mormonism or Calvinism. Okay. I'm talking about like I don't want to say Pentecostal, but like Protestant <laughs> would probably sure. be a good overarching term for sure. how I essentially identify. 
because there is no other way to know how to act, to know what to do, to know what to say, to know God and 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 who he is, who Jesus is. There's just there's just no way to get there. And and I was just actually just thinking today of what life would be like if we didn't have the Bible and if we only had experience and maybe a few stories here and there. It's like we all would be running around acting like everyone else. <laughs> We'd say like, "Oh, I believe in Jesus." And then there'd be no action to follow up behind it. There would be no heart change, behavior change. And yes, we would have the Holy Spirit, but the only reason we know how the Holy Spirit works is because of the Bible. You know, Mm, when, when Jesus was crucified and he, you know, he, he took the sin of the world, he sent us the Holy Spirit. So I don't really, sometimes I think about if the Holy, if we didn't have the, I guess that's, that's really not the question. It's, what would happen if what would happen if we didn't know how the holy spirit worked you know if we didn't have the bible would, would people would people behave differently like do they just have guilty consciences and they're adjusting their behavior based off of the preconceived notion that society makes all the standards or you know is would the holy spirit be like some sort of supernatural power that directs people if we didn't have the bible so yeah, so that's why I believe in the Bible. Okay. So <laughs> it's, the answer, it's, but... it's 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 kind of rooted in your experience with uh kind of a uh reductio ad absurdum type of reasoning where where the alternative reduces to absurdity for some against the alternative you know? well, okay, so if I if I didn't believe I was just also thinking about this today. If I didn't believe in the Bible, I could conclusively argue that there's no such thing as free will and I'd literally convert to nihilism. Oh. Wow. That's the alternative. That is the okay. alternative because if you don't have if you don't have Jesus, you in my opinion, I I have nothing. <laughs> you know, you just wow. you don't. There's no reason for all this monotonous. There there's no reason behind why things are the way that they are even though i just argued with uh one of my uh close friends in one of my bible studies that you could argue yourself out of christianity once you're in it just as easy as you can argue yourself back into it do you really believe that do you really believe that i believe it for myself because i've done it before i've done it multiple times i i could critically think my way out of believing as easy as i can back myself back out of it again wow so is and, that, and part of it's faith is that kind <laughs> of unsettling to you i mean it's because, always unsettling yeah it's always unsettling but it's part of it's like the choice for faith <laughs> okay so you're you're saying that that you're making some kind of volitional ascent like your your um your will is involved here but what's your um what helps you figure out if you're in the right neighborhood intellectually or uh just it totally like, like not, not necessarily making these kind of distinctions, just like, just in terms of what the truth is, uh, honestly, how, however you get there. Honestly. And I don't, I don't really know if, 
anyone else goes through this thought pattern is as much as I do, but because I like critical thinking, I like theology, I like apologetics, things of that sort. It is really easy to argue myself in and out of uh, just Christianity in general. And, and the reason I consistently stay and like wrestle through it is because of just faith. Faith is faith is something that you, you can't see, you know what I mean? Uh, Christianity, I don't, I don't really think it would be as meaningful if you didn't, if you didn't have to have faith, you know, now how but do you define faith? How do I define faith or like faith and gen- generally speaking? Oh, either one, if there's a difference. I think it's believing in something when you can't see it. Okay. It's it's a it's a heart thing. It's a it's a mind thing, even though you can't you can't see it. You know what I mean? And but you but with with Christianity, you you can see it sometimes through through your experiences. You know, you can see people get miraculous miraculously healed. You can see people make headway, you can see situations change and that's that's the manifest that always brings me back to center but in regards to how i figure out if i'm in the right right headspace is um i guess just making sure that i'm finding balance in between critical thinking but then not critically thinking to the point where it's easy to abandon faith okay all right so you got faith is something you can't see. It's believing without seeing. Is that what you're saying? I think so. I don't know the formal definition for faith, but if I had to define it, it would it would be that. All right. Okay. Does that make sense though? I'm I'm tracking with you. I'm tracking with you. Um let me let me suggest something to you. Let me suggest a a, a different way of looking at it. You can try it on for size and take it for a spin and see see how it goes. Um, faith, I think, in the scriptures, it was hard to it's hard to contrast it with just seeing, but it depends on what you mean by seeing, actually, because <laughs> um, sometimes people mean by seeing they mean believing. Sure. And sometimes people mean by seeing they mean the sum total of evidence that you could possibly have. And um, what I mean by seeing is a specific type of evidence, which is your sense experience. But I think in the scriptures, faith is always a response to evidence. And I think God gives you evidence in your experience, like mm-hmm. it could be the five senses, it could be, um, it, it could be a, a reasoning process that you undergo. Uh, it could be the testimony of somebody else, which also involves the five senses because you have to listen to them, which is hearing. You have to see them, um, and and I think that that's how God works. And I'll give you a couple of examples: uh, Moses in the burning bush. Um, that's, I mean, if I was walking in the desert and I saw a bush on fire and it wasn't being consumed and, and there was a, and there was a voice coming out of it, I would think that that's either a miracle or I'm high. (laughs) Yeah. You're on, you're on mushrooms or it's gone. (laughs) Yeah. So how do you choose? Well, I would say, um, commonsensically, 
because I think God made it to where it's common sense for the most part. I mean, I, I think you have to have commitment to excellence and refine your intellect in some areas, but, but uh, I think that I would probably go, well, so you have now a disjunctive syllogism, a disjunctive syllogism is when there's two possibilities for premise one. And then the premise two is a negation of one of those. And so the conclusion is the other one. So A or B, not A, therefore B, or A or B, not B, therefore A. It's one of those. So either I'm hallucinating and because of drugs or whatever, or it's because there's actually something supernatural happening there that cannot be explained by the physical laws because that's not what bushes no. do. Bushes no. <laughs> don't normally go up, come up and do that. <laughs> so, um, so then I would try to use the best of my uh, ability and I would use my memory. And if my memory was foggy, I might wonder whether I was drugged and I might wonder if there's a problem there. But if I seem to be clear and I don't remember taking any drugs and that's not my habit and I don't remember being kidnapped by terrorists and I don't remember being at the Coachella party because I just <laughs> don't do that. Yeah. And I, you know, it, it. so I would probably assume and it's purely it's pu perfectly rational. Mm -hmm. I'm using memory. I'm using my five senses and I'm using reason, logic deductive reasoning, de uh, disjunctive syllogism. And I would say, okay, premise two is I'm not hallucinating. Therefore, it follows deductively that that's a miracle that I'm watching. And that's probably what Moses, the reasoning process Moses had. But the writer of Exodus, maybe it was Moses, maybe it was somebody else, an editor that came after Moses, that... Uh, wrote in the power of the Holy Spirit. They didn't write that whole reasoning process down for Moses, but probably most people would go, yeah, that's what I would think. I mean, if you, you know, you yeah. flesh it out. And so he's perfectly reasonable in, in um, first of all, listening to the voice because the voice is commanding him to do things. The voice isn't like, oh, be, uh, be my friend, uh, be pot, you'll be popular. Uh, that's the you usually the voice of some kind of satanic thing uh or you'll be godlike that's the voice of eden um the the snake in eden no this this voice is commanding him like okay there's no discussion here take your shoes off you're on holy ground and he's calling him by name as if the one you created so I think when you read that, you perfect you you don't think of Moses as irrational. You think he's perfectly rational, and in fact, even with this powerful evidence that he's talking to, probably God. I mean, somebody that speaks for God, if not God Himself, he he still has a hard time. Yeah, <laughs> because he doesn't speak well. And he's he's embarrassed about his speech because he's being told to do something really hard. Like God is telling him, go back to where you fleed from. Go back. And because the reason he's in the desert is because he did something. He killed somebody. If you remember that he killed somebody. And so he thought he was in trouble. So he's hiding in the desert. 
And God says, go back. You mean where I, where I kill people? Yeah. Yep. Go back. Yeah. Go back there. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Nothing oh, will this, go wrong. <laughs> oh, so this really powerful empire over here, probably the most powerful uh, military in the world. Yeah. That one. Go back. And you go there and free the slaves. <laughs> what? Are you kidding me? Um, but he does it. And the reason he does it, and that, so that's faith. When he does it, he's, he's putting his, his belief and action. And it's, it's rational, but it's hard. It, he's not going against the evidence. He's going toward it. And in fact, if he didn't have the evidence, I don't think anybody could read that and take it seriously because it would just be like a nursery rhyme. It would look weird. It would look like mother so, goose or whatever. That's and, very true. And, and so that's from the old Testament. I'll give you a new Testament example. There's a reason why Jesus was popular. There's a reason why people followed Jesus. There's also a reason historically and, and historians believe Jesus existed. Um, it's very, it's, it's not, it's, um, it's commonly held by historians that he existed. That's secular history. It's commonly held by historians that he was crucified by the Romans and that he had a following that thought he, the following thought he did miracles. Now, that's all consistent with the New Testament. That's perfectly in line with everything in the New Testament. So you have to ask from a historical perspective, how did, how was it that Jesus became popular? Or how is it that he had any reaction at all to people? Because people thought he was a good man, he did miracles, and yet he was executed. So yeah. people clearly thought he was a threat. That means they thought he was powerful in some way. Well, the New Testament, which is the earliest writings we have about Jesus in any detail, um, are from the new from the first century, and they claim to be eyewitness reports. And based on that, they claim that Jesus um, actually did miracles. In other words, yeah. he made the impossible happen not only possible but actual so what you thought was impossible turns out it's actually possible and it actually and, and it's actual when jesus does it mm -hmm. and he it doesn't happen all the time but he seems to be in control of it like he seems to be able to do it whenever he wants like okay so he he feeds five thousand people he heals a blind guy he casts out demons he he walks on water. I mean, he commands the storm to stop. You know, he's doing this kind of stuff. And it's not just one thing. It's not two. It's not three. And it's multiple witnesses. And um, it starts a movement, which we know is Christianity. That is, you can't deny that. It actually happened. It's historically mm -hmm. there. You have to explain it somehow. Well, when people respond to that with their lives and, and they respond to those things in their experience, they're using deductive reasoning as well. They might think, okay, he's, he's either a lunatic or he's lying. 
or he is actually who he says he is the Lord. Right. Um, so that's a, it's kind of like a disjunctive syllogism again. You're, and, and I'm not, I don't mean to say everything is disjunctive syllogism, but, but it just happens to be in this. And then it doesn't seem like it's, he's a lunatic. He doesn't seem like that. So preponderance of evidence, you can get rid of that one. He doesn't seem to be lying. Okay. And so you're left with like this really unique individual. And I, did I just say really unique? Cause I hate it when my students say that I hate that <laughs> unique, you don't need really, you don't need very unique. It has really, and very within the word. That's what the word means. It, you, if something's unique, it's one of a kind, you can't be really one of a kind or very I love how you've just become an English teacher (laughs) yeah I'm extra one of a kind so he was unique and um and and so he wasn't just doing this stuff and not interpreting it he was interpreting it and he was saying this is who I am I come from God and he did seem to even be saying he is God (laughs) and and um so so when people respond to that with putting their life on the line of that based on that experience which is rational they are i think that's biblical faith and um so in the sense that it's not exactly seeing it's not exactly the same thing as okay i I, i'm putting my foot right there i'm seeing that and I'm confident because I see it. So it's, it's not seeing like that, but it's not opposed to seeing in an ordinary sense either, because for example, Thomas says, if I only saw his, his wounds like you have, and then Jesus appears and says, you mean these ones? I'm right, right here. here? Oh, right doubting there? Thomas. Oh, we love doubting Thomas. <laughs> Well, it's it's ironic that he calls it, they call it call him D- doubting Thomas because as soon as he saw the wounds in the risen Jesus body, he believed. Yeah. And he well, believed that... rationally. It was a yeah. rational belief. And then he also had faith because he became a a, a true disciple you know, at that point and, and a very powerful witness to other people. It kind of sounds like when Jesus was alive, being a, a disciple of Jesus and having faith was a little different than yeah. having faith after the resurrection. So that's good. the reason that I say that yeah, yeah. because you, yeah, that's um, a good, oh gosh, good segue. I wish I could rewind like five minutes when we, when you were talking, uh, when you were talking about belief and faith and action, but I think it's, it's much easier. I think it could have been much. It, I think it would be much easier to have faith per se, if we could see things like that. And the only yeah. things that manifest that, that kind of faith where it's a rational belief is thing, the, the things that God does um, yeah. to, with people. You know, yes, leg legs growing, things <laughs> yeah. changing miraculously, checks right. ending up in places that don't make any sense, money ending up in people's hands that it really needed to go to, and it, it right. looked like no one was no one was gonna come through for them. 
It's like, those are, those are the, but, and then they claim the name of Jesus too. So I think that in of itself is the rational belief. I don't think anyone would be a Christian today because every, I mean, if you ask any atheist agnostic, someone who doesn't believe in God or is at least contemplating it. I've literally had people argue with me in the gym locker room, whether or not the Bible is a credible historical source. And they say that because, oh, well, man wrote it. And I said, yes, they did write it. But if you, if you read into the scriptures, although I don't really know, I, someone told me a way to rebuttal that. And I think this is kind of funny when you critically think about it. They're like, oh, well, the Bible says that man, like man has nothing to do with this. Why, why in the world would man want to write the Bible that goes against our flesh? And I don't really know how this is an argument because it's in the Bible. So why would you believe something that the Bible said, even though you just said that (laughs) you said that doesn't make any sense, but, but I was like, these are, what kind of locker room is this? (laughs) A locker room where I start fights over the Bible. It's (laughs) so wait, is this a, is this a gym that you go to? Like, is it like a, like a planet fitness or 24 hour fitness or something? No, it's, it's some, it's a 24 hour gym that just opened locally, maybe like a year and a half ago, but I ended up in some. And you're having like apologetics discussions in the locker room. Wow. Yeah, I am. Well, they, they they were talking about something and I just had to say something. (laughs) Oh, okay. Yeah. But I I tried going back and forth with them. They, they weren't really going to tolerate it, but the, the concept there is that how can the Bible be real if I don't see God, if I don't see these things happening? And that's so true. There's a lot of people that walk away from Christianity because they don't see Jesus. They don't see his room. Everyone is a doubting Thomas until they've either seen it themselves, had an experience, or they just choose to have faith because Christianity makes more sense than anything else. Those are the three determining factors. I have knocked off all, uh, checked off all those boxes. So I, that, that, that's just where I am right now. And I'm there because of partial faith. I'm also there because of rational belief. Um, and that's, that's sort of where it is, but it's so interesting you say that though, because you're so right in that, the sense that people didn't have to have as much faith because they deductively reasoned that the person in front of them was the Messiah. He was God. Like you're, you're not on mushrooms. like he is producing that much food (laughs) you're not on mushrooms he is healing the sick he is healing the blind and this is the true god yes so yeah very true so now where does that uh leave you with where you're going in the future as far as um your faith journey and your community of faith journey do you do you try to uh do you try to surround yourself with with Christians that have the same views as you do so you can have fellowship and friendship? Or... Oh yeah, of course. Okay. Yeah. My uh one of my best friends uh started a Bible study 2 years ago, maybe a little longer than that, and I've been uh going to her Bible studies since then and they all believe almost almost the same. There's some theological differences, but nothing we can't get past. It's all trivial at the end of the day. You know, we shouldn't split over stupid stuff, but uh, I also surround myself with people that are on the opposite side of the spectrum than me because I, I, and I don't just keep them around to argue with them either. Um, I keep them around because 
I, I can share Jesus with them. And if I don't share Jesus with them, then they're just, they're good friends to have, you know, you can't, you can't walk around and have this like, Oh, do you check off these boxes? You know, I mean, it's good to have standards, right? but it's not good to be judgmental in in that sense. You know what I mean? Like there's a, there's a line. And I feel like sometimes people will be so overly critical of other people's beliefs. And if they don't align with theirs, that they'll Mm -hmm. ignore opportunities and friendships. Um, Do you think that happens in politics as well? I've had that happen to my, my family. I've had that happen to friends, um, you know, people that we know it's, it's so sad that that happens, but it happens all the time. I feel like, Oh, I would, was it, was it the last podcast with Jim Bob that I was listening to from (laughs) you, uh, you guys. And when I was listening to it, I'm pretty sure it was either you. Yeah. It's really good. Cause he's an artist too. That's why I decided to listen to it, but I love having artists on. I went ahead and I followed him as well. He's really good content, but I think it was either you or him that said that people like making their religion politics, or maybe it was vice versa, Mm -hmm. but people get so attached to their political beliefs that they start associating it with like who they are, what's it's their identity now and they make it their religion. And I think you also said that particularly people on the left typically make those political beliefs, their religion. Right. So, and I've seen well, that happen. What's left? What's left to do? Yeah. If, it, if it's a hole in the human heart, what are you going to fill it with? Yeah. And well, plumber's you... putty. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it, it typically is. And if you look at the, the left-wing movements in history, like communism, socialism, national socialism, um, it does feel like it has, I mean, they'll say they're atheists, but just feels religious to me. It feels like yeah. the state is their God or some kind of yeah. vision of the future. That's or true. Like that. Yeah. But it's essentially like what you said, like, what are you going to, what are you, what are you going to replace yeah, it with? And, we, you know, we have a right. religion and we have politics. Oh, that's really interesting that you brought that up too. I was doing research yesterday because I realized that I think Protestant Christians make up some somewhere between 80 to 87% of Republicans and there's less than 1% of people who identify as atheists or agnostics. Um, I'll send you the link later to get it from, but I was finding that I was like, okay, so you have religion and you're basing your politics off of religion, but on the left, it seems like they don't have religion typically. And so they set their predicate yeah. Like as as politics as their religion and that's how they live their life they live it politically but then that right. that's going to dictate everything in their lives to how they respond yeah. to marriage and friendships and sure. uh you know just daily life yes yeah i think uh, a lot of people on the left will conflate uh morality what they think of as morality with politics mm-hmm. Yeah. And so they have a vision of morality, which is, um, well, I mean, it's, it's kind of hard to understand, but it's, um, well, how, how do you, how do you experience this whole left, right thing? What, what's, what, when you, you're on college campus, I don't know what kind of college campus uh, classes you're taking, or I don't know where your, your thoughts come from on this, but 
But what well, are people your age thinking? I've been in school for five years now. I'm only halfway through my AA degree, which is really depressing and sad. And I don't know when it will ever end, but <laughs> it's kind of seems like it just goes on forever. <laughs> it's all right. But you're just taking one class years. at a time. Now I'm taking a few classes at a time. It just happens to be that a bachelor's degree is a lot of hours of work. And because I work at the same time, I try not to bury myself. Okay. <laughs> I regret it later. You need to do, you need to do self-care. Balance. Balance, balance is very important. Yeah. Agreed. That's good. That's good. Um, yeah. But because I've spent so much time on campus, I've kind of seen campuses evolve. Surprisingly, on my campus specifically, I've encountered more churches than I have left. I don't know what to call it. I don't say rhetoric, but left groups, left group associations, organizations. Think things of that sort that would be on campus. What's what's um, the name of the campus? HCC, it's Hillsborough it? Community College. It's in Tampa. Tampa, okay, so Tampa, and that's in Michigan State is in Tampa, right? No, yeah. no, no, it's HCC. I'm, I'm kidding. I was oh, okay. Okay, I was like, what state is in Michigan? <laughs> HCC is tell tell me again Hillsboro, Hillsboro Community College. Okay. And yeah, but okay. More, I've seen more churches on campus than I think I've seen other organizations, and they like to keep it as neutral as possible. There walk, are groups walk, on campus. Walk around and look at the professors' doors. Look at the yeah. professors what they have on the door. That tells you a lot. That'll tell that you does more. Tell you a lot. That'll tell you more than anything else. English teachers do that the most often. I remember this class I took three semesters ago. It was an English comp course. It was English comp two. And I will never forget that teacher. In fact, if I ever talk to her again, I will send her this podcast so she can just hear this for herself. But she was the most wonderful teacher ever. Oh, good. And she was, um, I just loved her so much. What's because her name? She, her name was Miss Gladden. Her name is Miss Gladden. She, uh, she, she, she's actually kind of reminds me of you in the, in the sense of she supported critical thinking, thinking she was very much about excellence and she grew up in an, in a college environment where every, all the standards were so much higher. And I remember mm -hmm. her and I talking yeah. about how those standards and expectations have been lowered to the point where she just felt like she had to beat people over the backs of their heads to get them to do anything productive. <laughs> and, uh, I wrote some, I wrote some really good papers in that class and I've, uh, I've, I've never been whipped into shape faster. I remember when I first went in that class, I have never seen a teacher give me an F so quick before. <laughs> and you know what? It was out of love. Oh man. I'm loving this. It was, and, it and was love. No, no offense, but I'm, I'm just loving this story. So what, ha so did you do crappy work? No, no, oh, really? I didn't do crappy work. I just had a bunch of teachers that didn't teach me what to do. Just oh. like math. I used to, uh, I didn't understand. I, I, I just got past. So business you didn't calc. mean to do crappy work, but it was no. substandard. Okay. No, it was, it, 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 it was did not meet her standards. No, it didn't meet her standards. Not because okay. I didn't want to meet her standards, but because gotcha. I just didn't know what to do for okay. heaven's sakes, like English comp one, 
that yeah. like like we've discussed the uh-huh. the standards were so low that no one actually taught me grammar so when i got in this teacher's class i was pretty shocked to receive d's and f's for the first few weeks mm. she's and she came up to me she's like i see that you're working really hard on this but this is really horrible and we need to work on it come to my office to- <laughs> she used her, the spy voice no, no, she didn't use a spy voice. I'm just using my serious voice, but Oh, that was a spy. You said that was a spy voice earlier. No, I can do a spy voice. That wasn't the spy oh, voice. That, that was, was not a... the spy voice. Okay. This is the spy voice. Oh wow. <laughs> Very different. Yeah, James, you know what? James Bond does sound like that. This is the spy voice. But okay, I so just she... Yeah. So I, I remember her and I spending hours upon end, her working with me, correcting my grammar and me getting F's on my papers until it was the very last paper. I was at her office like every single day to get the paper just right. Mm-hmm. And I ended up getting an A. And you know oh, what good. happened to everyone else? Yeah, I know. I know. The, I know there was only like three people who cared enough to get A's, but there were only three people in that class that passed with an A. There was like mm-hmm. 20 people in there. It's hard to pass her class. And I and I passed it you only because of the other people got an F or some of them failed. Well, some of them good. dropped out. There was one time that I think she cussed someone out of her class for disrespecting her. And you're saying this is someone that reminds you of me. Well, that I don't know you very compliment. well, but <laughs> uh, you actually don't know how you're so close because I've, I've done all that. Critical thinking, tough love. Um, it took it took me farther than I than I thought I could go, which is I why think, I love teachers like that. And we need more yeah, teachers yeah. like that. We need I more think, teachers like that. I think the last class I taught at Cal State, nobody got an A. And it, ah. I think it was the only class I'd ever taught that I could recall that no one got an A. Why did no one get an A? No one did the work of an A. Um, oh, okay. You know, it, it's not That's like really I sad. was rooting against them. I was rooting for them. Um, and what class was it? Was uh, it like philosophy or something? Constitutional law. Oh no, I have one. I have a similar. I have law coming up. I have business law coming up very very Civil soon. Civil liberties and... specifically. It's on the Bill of Rights and you know other parts of the Constitution. Yeah, yeah. So it was like you know, just these students were were mediocre. What was the highest grade? Um, the I fact that you have down, to think, think about it is a, a bad status, sign. I think I did a status update, which is the only reason I know still, because it comes up in my memories, but I, I would have to look at it. I think it was a B plus. B plus. I, th- I think somebody, I think, I think it was a lot of people would well, be happy to pass with that. Yeah. I think it was, it was like, um, a pretty fair, even distribution between from a couple Fs, uh, a few Ds. I think there was about 20 people. Um, and then there was like the rest were Cs and Bs. So mm-hmm. it was pretty evenly spread out, I think, over C minus, C, C plus, B minus, B. Well, at least a lot of people passed, but, uh, I I would probably struggle with that class, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't intentionally do bad work. Yeah. I I would do bad work because I don't understand. (laughs) Well, I try to make it easy to understand, but it's hard. You got to do the reading. You got to, you got to actually 
what do you now what do you want to get your degree in business administration but i would really prefer it to be an entrepreneurship at this okay. point i don't really care because i'm getting practical real world application doing the job i'm doing right now mm -hmm. but one day maybe i'll get an actual degree at this point considering the fact that mark zuckerberg and um Oh gosh, who's the owner? Jeffrey Bezos. I don't even I don't think either of those dudes had a degree. I'm not that worried about it because I know that I'm motivated enough to make stuff happen without a degree. I just want the degree so that I have the option to command additional income need be. Okay. Now, have you ever thought about using college to uh develop an education in like English? Or literature or history or philosophy something like that i can't say i have no i mean okay. i i've 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 gone through all of that already in high school my curriculum was pretty solid cuz i was homeschooled so college was definitely a time to breeze past those those core classes and actually focus on things like accounting business law customer management things of that sort are you interested in um sharing your artwork letting people see something that you do or getting a sense of what you create uh like right now or no no not right or... now just just anywhere just anytime yeah i mean yeah yeah i'm sure i could do that i used to do it but then i was noticing that i mean the internet is a a an abyss yeah <laughs> the world wide web is very much an abyss yep and because of that oh oh yeah the, the, the predicate for this is when i was going to camp i was still young when i started the my company i was unincorporated by the way for clarification because i was too young to know what the heck was happening but because i was young my parents were doing what parents do i thank them for it today but they limited my social media presence because they didn't want a young vulnerable female online which i appreciate. Um, but because of that and that limited exposure to the online world, I didn't really share my art other than when I went to markets, which is when I primarily got outside exposure. But then even my parents were with me then. So because I had limited exposure and my parents noticed that my art was starting to get kind of good, that <laughs> they told me, you really need to copyright this. And because copywriting is insanely expensive and a painstaking process, once I stopped doing art, I or stopped selling it, I it just it's sitting in a catalog. I absolutely wouldn't mind sharing it. And I'll figure out a way to do that after this podcast and I'll send you the link. But okay. I had to protect it because that is my intellectual property. Yeah. <laughs> and I can't just have that floating around everywhere. But yeah, so. Uh, maybe on 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 whatever you you put up there, just make sure there's a copyright on it. And yeah, and that's what I usually did. And yeah, but the problem is, is enough. you can't. Well, mm -hmm. yes, usually sometimes good enough. But when it comes to artwork, I remember digging into this. If for some reason someone stole my artwork, posted it somewhere, I have no means for litigation or to pursue a a case because there there's no there's there's nothing definitively 
legal or official about that image. I just put a C on it or I just put a watermark on it. And I'm just like, oh, this is mine now. Like if the, if the, if they don't know, if they don't know it's mine, then I can't really protect it. It's almost like a counterfeit protection. Do you sign your art? Oh, I, 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 see, do. What I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Uh, let me see if I can see your. It, it's just like like a uh, YX. I, I had yeah, a name. Yeah, I, I see it. Yeah, yeah. For a while. I, I don't sign my artwork with my own name. I really should, though, because I'm not I don't have. The, I don't yeah. Do the... <laughs> you might want to think about signing it where it's more clearly yours. Um. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm not. I'm not really a. Uh, I don't. I'm not sure if I have a fresh perspective on copyright, but um. I mean, the basics of copyright are pretty common sense because it goes back so far. Sure. Um, well, it's basic, but today because of digital media, if if it gets it, here's the here's the legal issue. The legal issue is: Are there any damages? <laughs> and if if you're being hurt like your business is being hurt, then you have standing. Yeah. Um, but, but um, you're not, uh, unless it's just an establishment cause case, in which case all you have to do is be offended that there's the 10 commandments and then you have standing. Well, I, I'm not sure if that's <laughs> changed. Might've changed actually with this Kennedy case. I gotta, I gotta take a look at it. The establishment clause case, but um, I really should know that since I have a PhD in, in this stuff, but um I don't know everything, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, if they're taking it and selling it as if it's if it's theirs, and then it impacts your business, you you can. There's something you can do, but it costs money, and you don't want to have to deal with that crap. So those it's all those you know, it's images. Yeah. Well, those those images they they have that signature on them because yeah. they were associated with the com the quote unquote right. un unincorporated right. company that I own. Yeah, so yeah, the sure. goal was to get them copyrighted, yeah. but now that I don't do that in that fashion anymore, I'm yeah. sort of starting to rethink how I yeah. copyright and protect That's good. my That's good. intellectual property. So you sure should. And you're very young and you're thinking about intellectual property and that's just wonderful. Intellectual property, man. That's great. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about? Um, let me think. So I do want to talk a little bit. I know that we started that I was not expecting to go on a rant about OSHA. Now I literally think it's going to end up the title of the podcast, but <laughs> I did want to talk about my art really quickly because sure. I don't think I've ever really gotten a chance to talk about it. It was, yeah. it feels like so long ago. It was really only like let's two years talk, ago that I stopped. Yeah. So the, yeah, I was trying and, to and describe. And so there's, there's artists that are listening and they're like, I still don't know what I still don't you know, know what I do. How did yeah. you get into it? And then what do you do? If you made how it this get, far, how did you learn how to You're paint? a trooper. How you're a you trooper to... if you made it this far. There is one so, person. There's one person that made it this Your far. Your grandma. <laughs> My grandma. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no joke, right? So um I was earlier, I think I was trying to make a list of all of the things that I have experience in when it comes to art art in general. And Here's the list. And no, I'm not joking. Okay, ready? Here I go. All right. 
Painting, drawing, watercolor, stained glass, felting, jewelry, sewing, graphic design, building, writing, music, photography, singing, mixed media, embroidery, cooking, mural painting, chalk art, and environmental art. I don't know why I put cooking in there. I guess I know how to cook, but that's not art related. Um, <laughs> it could be. And that is that is the list of everything that I know how to do. Am I great at any of them in particular? probably not i'm not technically trained so it doesn't really work like that but okay. i could not choose what i wanted to do for my art what what happened was how i got into it this so this is how i got into it so remember how i said when i was young i used to sell sticky notes under the playground mm -hmm. well this this kind of stuff didn't stop um, I, uh, I would make entire notebooks dedicated to restaurant concepts. I would literally make books of inventions. And then of course, you know, selling the sticky notes. And after, after I kind of exited that phase and I entered high school, I started to dance and I danced for about seven to nine years. I was doing uh ballet, tap, gymnastics. 79 years. You danced for no, 79 no, no. <laughs> years. Yes. I'm actually a mermaid and i have lived for 79 years fish out of water right so yeah um, <laughs> so anyway i'm a kid and i danced for 79 years man <laughs> i'm only 22 and that math doesn't add up <laughs> yeah seven to nine years to be okay. to clarify seven to nine and then years. yeah and then something tragic happened it was really horrible one day i had just come back from I think it was maybe like two weeks after a con. I wasn't a concert. What do you call it? It was a play. I danced in place for this okay. uh, organization that was for homeschool kids and whatnot. Surprisingly, they had really good turnouts and really good productions. But I had made a very grave mistake in the last play. And I it's really embarrassing, but I I dropped one of my costume props on the floor, causing the entire backstage staff to trip and fumble over the thing that I dropped mm. and I got yelled at for that I got yelled at so bad that I was like I don't think I want to do this anymore and I know it's like how can I you can't crush my spirit <laughs> right. but you could you could absolutely crush my spirit when I was that at that age oh, and I was yeah. just so sensitive to it I was like sure, oh my God. Yeah, yeah. so I remember going back for a while and tr trying to dance but after I got yelled at like that for dropping a prop yeah. In a high school production, I was like, okay, I, I don't know about this. So I talked to my teacher and I was like, hey, I think I want to do this long term. Don't know. She replied back, you're just not built for that. And oh. I didn't really know what that meant. But like physically, if you want to be a professional dancer, right, you need to have a very particular body type. And right. I just did not fit into that category. Yeah. And it's a reality that if you professionally sure. dance, you really only got 15 years under your belt because they run your sure. body into the ground. Your body is a machine yeah. and you will end up totally beat up. I would ask yeah. my grandma. She was she was a professional ballerina when mm. uh, she was young and wow. she was just beat to shreds so, uh, when by the time that she was, uh, you know, an older adult, like 30s, 35. Yeah. But. When so it's like the that, other side of being a linebacker, basically. Uh, yeah, you, essentially. Only certain people sports. can be a linebacker or a, a, an offensive tackle. Mm -hmm. And um, once you are. And then you do that for a while, you get your butt kicked and that's it. Yep. You're done. You're yep. 
you're done. You're done. So that's, and I knew that was going to happen if I decided to go that route, but I didn't. And I quit after that and I don't quit easily, but I just could not do that anymore. So I gave up dreaming of professional dancing in about 2015 because it just wasn't going to work. And then I remember just having a period of, I'm so bored. Like get, like, I don't want to do math homework right now. I'm bored. (laughs) Get me out of here. Um, so there was one day where the room that I'm actually sitting in used to be a homeschool room. So I was, I was in the homeschool room and I went into the the closet that my mom guards like liquid gold or something. And that's, that's not really a good word, a good way to describe it. She just didn't want me touching the closet. You know, parents, yeah. they, they're like, don't touch that. <laughs> You're right. Well, I went in there and I got into her stuff and I noticed that she had like paint and whatnot. So I grabbed some random canvas on the ground and I went into my room and I think the first thing that I ever painted uh, how old was you? this, I was, it's 2015 to 2016. So I was 15. Yeah, I was 15 okay. or 16. So the first thing I painted was a painting that said the rain will fall, but you won't. Okay, that's interesting. But my mom fumes, ate this up. The fumes were getting at getting at you. <laughs> yeah. So she just ate this up and it's still up in her office to today. Oh, that's cool. So she's oh, like, wow. Where did you paint this? You know, because I had not displayed any artistic, serious artistic ability until just now. And she's like, Did you paint this? And I go, Yeah, wow. I, I painted that. And um, cool. and then I just kept going. Yeah, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, yeah. So there was a shift that happened eventually. So, oh, okay. and by the way, those those paintings that that painting that I did, the the supplies that I found in her don't touch the closet closet was uh, my grandma, my great grandmother's supplies. So they were old. They were like supposed to be passed down oh. generation to generation. So it was it was kind of symbolic. So was it, was, 19, it was special. 1950s spray can. Yeah, it was it was special. It was. Uh, oh. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. So and I broke those worked? out. They yeah. still worked. Wow. Yeah. It, they took forever to dry, especially when I used her oil, but it worked for what it was. It smelled right. You use OSHA standard for dry? No, I did not use OSHA standards. I really should have had a respirator on circle. with like a good a good yeah, filter, yeah. but no. <laughs> bring this full circle, right? Somehow this makes when sense. When did you sell your first piece? I'm getting there. You know, okay. Y'all, you're you're one step ahead of me. So what happened after that was my um i just started to do more and i was also something that influenced it was i was going through you know my teen years so that's always ridiculously emotional for no reason but i always noticed that despite me going through everything that i was going through at the time my art was always really encouraging and identity focused and very colorful which was contrary to what I enjoy as my style now, but I, uh, I just started doing every medium I could think of, but the, the shift happened was in, I think it was 2017 when I came back from, I think it was either the first year or the second year from camp, ironically. And I was making these mixed media jars with deers on them. Like, uh, you have, have you ever seen like one of those really generic symbols of of like a deer i don't know how to describe it like you just see its head it's almost like a side profile of a deer with the antlers do you know what i'm talking about yeah i think so like vaguely vaguely and someone from my 7m fam that's 
seven seven or i don't really know do you know the full name for seven of gen is it like seven mountain generation i don't know what lance gen has means. like this i think it's generation okay i think i think, it, I think it means young people or something no it goes off of lance's teachings like lance oh. wanell's teachings of like the seven mountains like the areas but that you go into business mean? I think it's I think it's generation. I'm, I'm I might have does to double it, back. Doesn't it mean young people? No. No, it doesn't. No, okay. it can't be because he taught that regardless of age. But okay. So yeah, so one of one of my friends at the time uh, answered and was like, "I want this." So and they asked if they could buy it. I was like, "What the heck?" So I was shocked because I was just doing this for fun. But that triggered several friends and family to deplete all of the things that I had made at the time. So I considered doing my art part-time because I still had time and I wasn't working just yet. So I came up with a business name, which you probably see on my portfolio. I don't want to say it out loud if you don't mind. Um, and then you could just think just, it and then I'll get it through your thoughts. Yeah. Okay. You got it. Okay, Got it. Got okay. It. Got it. <laughs> um, so I, uh, I, I came up with a business name and uh, I operated unincorporated for a short time after that. And then at some point it really kicked off when I joined this entrepreneurial group in Tampa for kids in the local area. And they gave you and the people that participated a safe platform to shout, to share and to sell art. And I was on the, I think I was always the oldest person there. I was like 17, 16, 17 um, but the the kids that I was working with, they were like 10, nine, okay. maybe even eight. So they were very, we always looked like we didn't belong in the same area, but I always okay. tried to encourage them and buy from them, you know, oh, grow good. their entrepreneurial desires. Right. Um, but yeah, so I, I was doing that for a while. And that's, like I said, when I accessed the general public, and then I just started to notice that, like, ridiculous things would happen that I like, I, sometimes I'm like, yeah, I have like heavenly favor here, because this stuff doesn't just doesn't happen. So things would happen, like, I would be in the middle of setting up at 830 in the morning, and someone would walk by, literally hand me cash with no words, and then take the painting and walk away. Or someone would be like, "Oh, hey, that's the mine. Price, I'm coming back." They for gave that. you. They gave you what your price was. Full price. Sometimes even more. Sometimes they gave me extra money to to just affirm what I was doing. Huh. I I had people come up to me and tell me that they've never seen art like this before, and they took like a million things home with them. Um, I also had it happen where I felt like I was. We can debate whether or not this is real or not. But I ha I felt like one of the paintings that I had created was for someone very specific. I, I felt like it was for someone who loved birds. I don't know. So I remember later and an, at a future market, it was sitting on the floor. Some guy, guy came up to me and is like, hey, is that for sale? And I said, yeah, it is. And I said, do you like birds? It's like, actually, I like love birds. And I was like, great, this is yours. And then he went home with it. You didn't charge So who knows? It? No, no, no. He handed me cash and left. I was charging hundreds of dollars for what I was doing. And how they did just... you, how did you come up with the prices? Ah, uh, yeah. Okay. Pricing. That's a lot of fun. So if you want to do professional pricing, you have to take time and materials into 
consideration. And this is like a whole debate among the artist community. How do you charge for art? Because there's two things that you're talking about here. One is cost, which right. is usually concrete. It's your time and materials. But then there's this thing that's kind of more unpredictable. And that's why the, it's always a uh, a gamble what you're trying to charge. But it's it's the meaning. It's it's the way that it connects to people. And how in the wide, wide world do you put a price on connection? Well, the truth is that uh, you can't, easy. but you it's have pretty, to. No, it's pretty easy. You could hire me as a consultant. I'll do it for you. I'll, <laughs> you could pay me $50 and I will and say. And tell me how much it's worth. And I will say connection. Hundred bucks. Well, no, that's the and problem. That's though. fifty bucks. Is, you owe me fifty bucks now. Well, that's the problem. Is the way that you connect with it is different than the way that someone else connects with it, and you may be willing to pay a hundred dollars, but someone right. else may be willing to pay two hundred, and that was always right. the problem. I'll make you deal right now. I will be there or through Zoom, and uh, I will be there with them as they're looking at it, and I'll look at their face. And, and based on the much, how much it costs, face, based on <laughs> like the, the little the, divots in their the wrinkles, twitches and stuff on <laughs> the their, twitches. Their eyes, okay, yeah, I, I yeah. will. I will say two twenty five. Two twenty five. And then I'll get you're just you know, sitting I'll there like two twenty five. I'll get like, you know seven percent. I I don't charge a lot. Seven percent, and um, you know, for that one. Okay. And I may uh, have to take you up on that. <laughs> sure. You know. <laughs> How, do you, how else do you think I make it out here? So that's yeah. how I do it. I, I can do pricing. I don't well, know how anyone makes it out there, to be fair. You're telling me. Mm -hmm. You're telling mm -hmm. me. So you're, there, you're is, there is one you thing, live, though. You, you're lucky that you live in Florida. I love our governor. I'm going to get heat really? for that. I'm okay. going to get heat for that. I'm Why? sorry. Well, who's your governor? Uh, DeSantis. Okay. Yeah. People well, like one, it? he didn't. Oh my gosh. People hate that guy. Oh my gosh. So much backfire. So much backfire. He was the only, uh, he, we, we, during COVID, he was the only person that I think was thinking logically. Oh, interesting. As far as yeah. governing bodies over Florida. Okay. Yeah. DeSantis okay. I'm not... and. Yeah. Ronda, Ronda Santis. COVID. Yeah, and you he said that was, he had, it was logical what he did. <laughs> Some of the things he does, I'm like, dude, you're, you're going too far. But most of the, most of the things that he was doing during COVID were cohesive, logical, and completely fair. And did people fair. not like that? Oh my gosh. No. <laughs> oh. Wow. No, not at all. No, people don't like deductive reasoning. Are you kidding me? So what was what the could response, that possibly offer? What were the responses that you saw and you experienced? Just rage, just like complete rage from rage. The, really? And you know what? But personally, most of the people around me are right wing, so I didn't really see as much backlash in front of me as I did on social media. On social oh, media, on social media. Okay. There was a lot. There was a lot of heat. But to get back to what I was saying, the there was a shift though with my art when i realized that i could make money off of this and that's when i really started to think about my little tiny art business as like a like how do i actually make money here mm -hmm. the real money when you're dealing with paintings and things of that sort are images images are the bread and butter of a company like that with that type of business model because 
you have a really high profit margin for things that you can put your image on. And that's, again, with the copywriting thing, there are hundreds. Oh, I forgot to say this in the beginning. I probably should have led with it. But I have a lot of products and paintings that go all the way up the East Coast up to New York. I have paintings in Texas, Georgia, New York, uh, you like you name it. I probably have something there. But because of that, do you know how many people are walking around with uncopyrighted work from me? A lot. That's that that terrifies me at night because they could just steal it and I can't do anything about it. Hmm. And yeah. you put your heart and soul in this thing. I did. It would, it would not exist without you. And then it's so easy to steal it. Oh, yeah. Incredibly easy to steal it. All I got to do is just take a screenshot of it, repost it, print it out, and bam, it looks like it's theirs, which is crazy, which is crazy. That's really sad. But prints, it is really sad. But prints, magnets, household products, if I put my image on it, I was able to make a profit margin. Um, But then also, it's like those stuff, like people eat that up because the the customer base that I was dealing with at a mall, I forgot to mention this, I was at a mall the entire time. I don't know if you've ever tried to sell to someone at the mall, but it's really hard. No, I haven't. Yeah. Well, just yeah, like, no, it's just really like hard. machine guns tough and crowd. drugs and stuff, but not art. Yeah. Yeah. Tough crowd though. Really tough crowd. So cheap stuff sold quick, essentially is what I'm saying. So this is uh this is a tough business. Yes. Intellectual property. It's very difficult with technology to protect it. Yeah. And at the same time, in order to get it money for it, uh, in order to get money for it, you have to expose it for sale. Right. So, yes. I mean, I've never bought a painting without looking at it. <laughs> so, <laughs> Um, well, wouldn't how, recommend how, it <laughs> with everybody with you know it was easy back in payphone day because there was no there's no uh, uh camera on a payphone i mean people still had cameras but you had to get the film developed it's a little bit more of a pain you have to pay money sure. to get it developed you're not going to just sta- snap random photos of of stuff generally but um yeah that that's a copyright quagmire uh i think the way that art galleries do it is they i think they say no photography allowed right yeah but so, well, i mean so people are not snapping pictures in an art an stu- art photography in the studio no. they're not supposed to right they're not supposed to um and generally that's pretty well enforced i think um but the, at the, the same it, time, unless, I mean, if it's a famous artist, everybody's going to know, okay, that's you not rip, yours. You ripped that off. Right. So, but, but, yeah, but that's, for that's people like you, you're not famous yet. So I love how you say yet. <laughs> well, everybody starts somewhere. <laughs> everybody oh, starts man. somebody somewhere. It'd be crazy. Everyone, everyone likes, who, like my family likes to joke. Do you know but... who Thomas Kincaid is? Yeah. I met him one time. What? I, I met really? I met him when before he was famous. Really? Yeah, he, was, he was he was at my church. I remember him. That's the reason crazy. I, the reason I remember him is because he was selling his he was selling 
that's why I know this is a legitimate memory because there's no way I could have made this up, but he was in the Calvary Chapel Monterey Peninsula, which was meeting at Lighthouse Theater in Pacific Grove. And I remember him with his mustache. I, I just remember, I remember him and, and I remember talking to him and he, that's really he interesting. In, he was in the lobby and he was selling dishes and stuff with his artwork on it. And, and he had other stuff. And I remember thinking, holy crap, this guy's a really good artist, but nobody was buying anything from him because he was kind of expensive and nobody knew who he was. And I mean, I, I always remembered him. And then later his galleries were in Carmel and, and Monterey. And there's actually still a gallery in, uh, uh, in that area just down the street from that where that church met called um well it's it's in cannery row and it's still there you can go in there and look at it. but he, they there used to be several galleries like i think there was at least two in carmel and um and uh yeah i met him and so my my what i remember from that is just you know everybody starts somewhere yeah and and he was That's just, true. he was trying to sell his art and and um and then i See, think your comment think, there your comment there about it being expensive that's the yeah, problem right. people don't want to pay for things that they don't understand or don't know that they aren't familiar with well i i remember thinking to myself i would like to buy this but I don't have anywhere to put it. And it's a little bit out of my price range because I was single at the time and I was just not, you know, I was not in a position to, I was living on an army base at the time and I, I didn't have, you know, the money or the room for it. But I remember thinking that I would buy it later if I had the money for it. And, and so, um, his stuff was eventually on Hallmark cards and stuff like that. So, I mean, it's now everywhere, right? And yeah. it's on magnets, it's on everything. And um, I think it would be pretty easy to to print stuff off and make your own magnet, Thomas Kincaid magnet, if you really wanted to. They do but, that in Europe. I took a trip um, over there in 2019 before COVID. I'm incredibly privileged to do that. I know. I know a lot of people don't get to do that now with the, 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 the vaccine. <laughs> um uh -oh, and whatnot just, oh great we're we're gonna get this taken down now demonetized i haven't said anything about covid that's yet, right but... <laughs> well you're so logical i technically though. didn't say anything but they're not logical <laughs> they just take stuff down randomly like oh you said this word oh, okay yeah i know that's how don't, don't get me started about social media because i have i have experience with that because i do marketing and sales for the company that i work with but yeah so they do that in europe Every popular image that you can think of that is located in Europe, there are people that will have is haggle the right word, haggle you, yes. they'll, they'll harass you is really the right word. They'll right. harass you and, and track you down like, uh, like a hound and try to scam you into buying things. And they say it, it's theirs, but it's not no. They'll And, and they, they sell those images and you know, it's a knockoff, but it, it's not theirs. Even the people standing out with paint for crying out loud. It isn't theirs. They're literally faking it and they're trying to scam you into buying it. And you know what's really bad about that? So not only have you just given your money to a scam artist, but they stole your phone too. 
while you were looking. <laughs> wow. So bad up, so bad up there. But it's so weird because I don't know why people do that. It's like this is very clearly this guy did not generate the Mona Lisa. The Mona Lisa right. did right. not originate from this random guy on a sidewalk. Right. Why don't you know that? I don't know. But I yeah. think the Mona Lisa is in the is that in the public uh domain now though? I don't know if it's old enough. I think it is. I don't know. That's a really good question. I'm, I'm almost check. certain that it is. I don't I know I the laws check. of Europe, but I'm I'm assuming that the Mona Lisa probably got a fact check that pretty dang old. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's not even I remember trying to go see the Mona Lisa. I don't even think it's the real one. Everyone acts like it's the real one. I don't think it's the real one. I think that's too vulnerable to keep something like that out like that. With and did you see someone threw a pie at it or something like that like a month ago? Like security slipped and someone threw something at it. I, I don't know if some it was an incident that happened months ago. I saw it and was like, "Are you kidding me? You can't just be throwing throwing things to the Mona Lisa, even if it's fake." Right. How did you meet that. your your fiance? What's that like? What's oh, that like? Lord. What's that like being so young and and dating? Do you guys use the word date dating? Well, to the people that don't know we're engaged, yes, we date. <laughs> to the people that do know, I'm engaged. <laughs> okay, all right. Yeah, we still date though. I think you're dating so, is but a you're, really you're, term, um, but... you're engaged. I am, and probably not a lot of people your age are engaged. No, I think, I don't know why this shocks people. I've literally had people be like, what? You're engaged. That's crazy. I'm like, really? Is it crazy? Why do they say it's crazy? I don't know. I I just think that they're, to be honest, that their love life is probably in such disarray that the thought of even being engaged is a little intimidating, maybe. They're they're too busy uh, writing their crappy 50% papers for their A. You said it, not me. (laughs) Yeah. When is the big day? We don't know yet. Um, okay. I always like to lie about the way that we met. <laughs> I lie for hours every night. No big deal. <laughs> yeah. Um, because we met on an app. It's so oh, depressing. Wow. I know. Wow. Bad news. But it's You're really about interesting. An appetizer at a at a restaurant. You were both sitting on it. No, 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 no. I... Chicken wings. <laughs> yeah, we met. We met. We were sharing an app together. He didn't ask to come up. He just started eating the food off yeah. my plate. Oh, how's it going? No, it, no, a question is asked. Elizabeth, yeah, is you it got Elizabeth? something on your butt there. Looks like a, yeah. Is that is that horse register? Uh, oh no, no, it's the <laughs> buffalo. So, okay, gotcha. It's the buffalo sauce. So you nice met to on meet you. I'm app. getting out your food now. Yeah, hmm. we met on an app. Yeah, Tender? I. Uh, it was. It, you know, no. Gender? No, it was Bumble. Come on, I'm more decent than that. I don't know apps. So what, what are you talking about? I don't, Tinder I'm, is like the, the app I know is is the postal. I have the I have a mailbox outside. You have a mailbox. I mean, most people have mailboxes, but I, I understand what you're saying. No, Tinder is like the trash heap, like the burning trash mm. heap of dating okay. apps, in my right. opinion. Okay. Because they use it mostly for hookups. All right. And what's the word hookup mean? just sleeping around casually sleeping okay and are you actually sleeping is that what people are actually doing sleeping i'm sure they're leaving room for jesus you're like on this app and you're like i'm really tired i'm really tired tired. i really want to take a nap with someone i'm tired i you know (laughs) would you like to sleep would you like to sleep 
<laughs> Would you like to sleep? Uh, so, no, so no. What, what's different about this other app? Uh, this app is really cool. Before they added pay, like you have to pay now to use this app to its full potential, which okay. sucks. But when I was using it, they didn't, <laughs> they weren't making you pay for it. But oh, wow. this app is different because they make the ladies approve the men oh. before they're allowed to text you, which decreases harassment. Oh, okay. Because women get harassed on, now, on what, dating apps. That, that That's a shocker. That's a real shocker. shocker. So you, what is the basis of the, is it, is it a picture or is it, what is it? A resume? No, I mean, what are you, what are it's you looking a, at? A resume. <laughs> I feel like if I could put a resume in my bio, I definitely would have what done it. it? It's really... what, what, what are you basing your approval on? You have. Uh, oh, he's got an entire eagle on his chest. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. Great. Yeah. There's uh there's a uh, fields that you can select or deselect based off of your preferences. So it filters people out. So you have like fields in your bio, right? Oh. And then you fill out the field. And then on the other side, if someone's like trying to swipe on you per se, or try to talk to you, there's filters. That's what they are. They're filters. And so they filter out what's in your bio and what's not. And you know, what's really funny about this. The only reason that we met each other was because I had conservative and Christian marked off on my filters and I wasn't swiping unless I saw those two things together. Oh, conservative yeah, that's the only reason we met. and Christian conservative and christian and you know what and There's he didn't a lot have of like a bug hanging or anything like that like the men, only listen up he looked like a metalhead he looked like a metalhead that was the only alarming thing about the first photo that i saw you look like a metalhead yes that means he listens to def leopard or what does that mean <laughs> he uh he metalcore he lists he listens to metalcore metal is that a type of music yes Okay. I don't recommend looking it up unless you want your ears to hurt, but some people like that, including myself, because he got me and, into metal. And does, oh, he does actually listen to that. Oh, yes, I do too. Oh, okay. So, but yeah. It and then how long ago was that that you guys? Two years met? ago, on the twenty seventh, it'll be two years ago. You know what's interesting though? Does so he his like birth. Guns? Yes, he, he to, likes guns. Does he knows how to shoot. He has a gun. A gun. He yes. He has God a gun. He concealed him. carries. Yeah. Oh, wow. God bless. Him. Yes. And I'm going for my concealed carry later this month. Oh, good for you. What did you choose? Yeah. What did you land on? You mean the, the gun or? The... Yeah, sure. Or the whole. I'll probably end up with a Glock. I'll probably end up with a Glock. Honestly, wow. like a Smith and Wesson Glock. Glock. <laughs> Excuse Wait, me. Wait, hold on. The Smith and Wesson Glock. Is this a new. Oh, thing? no, uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. So my I'm sorry. My dad has a Glock. Okay. And then my fiance has a, a Smith and Wesson. I'll get one of the two. So he carries a 38. Wanna... Is it a 38 special? It's a revolver. It might be. No, it's, it's a not revolver. a revolver. Oh, it's not a revolver. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Sorry. Sorry. No, I was it's thinking a, of, you're talking like a Smith and Wesson shield, like a small semi-automatic. Yeah, yeah, yes, 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 exactly. Precisely, precisely. Okay. Sorry, I had Smith a brain Wesson fire. Now has to pay for this episode because we just gave them a little. We're sponsored. Sponsored. Oh, good for you. Are you? Yeah, are you going to well, get training? Have you gotten training yet? No, that's what I'm getting the concealed carry. Yeah, I'm getting classes along with the concealed carry good, permit. Good for you. Yeah, good for you. 
Well, the reason I got those two things mixed up was because I take my father's Glock sometimes to shoot, but then Mm -hmm. I also use my fiance's as well. So I was like Smith and Wesson. He owns a Glock. Yeah, I got it confused. But yeah, it's a semi-automatic Smith and and Wesson. How how do you react? Does it jolt you? Does it stress you out? Oh my gosh. The first time I fired, I hit it. I, I, it was a bullseye. <laughs> the second God time I was too alarmed by the recoil yeah, yeah, and I'm still yeah. trying yeah. to get over that it. My body is like, I don't want to do this. And also it's so loud on the ranges that it, it gives me migraines. Yeah. Inside. So it's inside. Yeah. Inside. It's yeah, really inside. loud. And the headphones Go to an outside. suck. Go to outside and that's better. Yeah. Go, I'll try. Ta- I'll probably try on my, my grandparents' property at some point. Cause it's big. It's big enough. I don't have to worry about it, but all right. We, you know, it's, we, ch- when, it's we checked all sorts of, we checked all sorts of boxes here. God guns, DeSantis, <laughs> <laughs> not DeSantis very much, but right. yeah, just for a few minutes. What were you going to say? Oh, I was going to say, so remember that, that homeschool thing that I mentioned, it's probably the coolest thing about our relationship. And it's the first thing I tell anyone whenever they ask was about our relationship. No, he wasn't homeschooled, but oh, okay. you, I was homeschooled. And when you're homeschooled, you have a few options as to how you get your education. So one, you probably think of you're like at home and your parents are teaching you. But through high right. school, my parents didn't school me. I went to someone's house to get okay. schooling. Oh, okay. Well, I would also get schooling with other people. So I was going to this person's house for years to get an education. Well, it turns out that when my fiance sent his address, so I'd be like, where do you live? What does your house look like? Are you a psychopath murderer? You know, and you said that you actually asked that. I made him jump through a lot of hoops to date me. Let's just say that I created fake accounts to make sure that he wasn't lying to me about his identity. I made him I made him video chat me first. He actually saved me on a date that I was being stood up for <laughs> prince charming am i right but Jeez. my fiance is that was actually and is actually the next door neighbor to that teacher oh wow so i walked past my fiance a million oh. times and had no idea he was next door are you the same age no he's a little older okay wow i i can't imagine um what your age folks are dealing with in terms of quote unquote dating and just oh my techno- gosh. with technology, with social media, it it's so foreign to the way I grew up. And even in my, it it's, it's foreign to my adult life. I didn't have an email address until I was, gosh, I was, I was in college. I was in the military and I didn't have a cell phone until like right at the end of the military and I was entering graduate school. And even then I didn't really have one. I didn't really use it for a long time for years. And I used the mail. And so I, you know, I I remember writing a check to pay for restaurants. I had a checkbook to pay. Yeah. 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 We just like tap our cards on a, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't, I didn't even on a have, device and didn't have bam. That. Now, I mean, yeah. it probably should have been building credit 
earlier, but I, I didn't. So, so, um, I know I look 27, but I really, no, no, you look 12, <laughs> very <laughs> youthful. Thanks. Thanks. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's your generation. I, I, I just, I don't even know how to, it's lovely it's lovely to have these kind of conversations because you seem so normal to me and it's almost like i'm talking to a normal person and thanks and you, you almost and, called me normal i and 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 yet at the same thanks. time i know you're really one of those younger people yeah and um, i am pretty young so i love that there's some people your age that are keeping it real and i want you to know that we all salute you Oh, well, don't salute me. You should be saluting my fiance because he's actually going through uh, training to be in law enforcement. So, yeah. I'll salute you. For those of you on the podcast, he literally just saluted. So, (laughs) uh, yeah, but you're supposed to give that to your fiance. That's not for you. Okay, got it. I'll I'll pass it on. Do you want to say which agency? No. No, I really don't. I want, I don't want, I mean, okay. as you can imagine, I'm going to be the wife of someone in law enforcement. That's kind of scary. Yeah. That's really scary, especially today. Right. So no, I, I don't think that's safe, but okay. it's worth noting though, because one of the reasons, one of the many reasons why I love him is because of his commitment to safety and integrity and just, you know, has he read the Constitution? Has he read the Constitution? Honestly, I think that the Academy is going to make him read the Constitution if he hasn't already. They're okay. making him read constitutional law right now. I wouldn't doubt it because you, that's kind of important. But I'm it's hoping kind of that important. that comes yeah. from his soul and he's interested in that for other reasons than just passing a test. But um, is, eh, he, a Christ- you is know, he a Christian? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. You know, I'm I'm not about that unequally yoked business. <laughs> okay, good. Well, is there anything else you want to talk about? Um, no, I don't. I don't think so. I think I've talked about just about everything. Not I everything. Think about in like a two and a half hours span, but not I don't know. Everything. We you caught you caught we caught about everything important about yeah my life. We, we checked a lot of boxes. Yeah. Yeah, I'm um, sure when my dad listens back on this, he's going to be like, yeah, you spent like 40 minutes on this podcast talking about OSHA and now it's going to end up right. for the podcast. Yeah. People are going to think it's paid for by OSHA and they really should be paying us for the the little thing. But yeah, I don't know why the ISCRC or OSHA doesn't make him some sort of representative. It It literally baffles me how that hasn't happened yet because he just preaches it like it's the bible well it helps his business so no it it doesn't actually it it if you teach the standards like really teach the standards it'll put you out of business the only reason i think that people who teach like really teach the standard survive is because of god's grace okay pretty bold claim but i know i'm right is your dad a, is your dad a Christian? Yes, my whole family is. Okay. Does your ga- dad like guns? Yes. Does your mom like guns? I literally I said earlier that he has a 
He has a Glock. Doesn't mean he likes guns. He might just like, you know, have a Glock laying around. Does your mom like guns? Does my mom like guns? Uh, don't have any comments on that because I don't know. I don't know. Okay. I know. I'm under oath saying I don't know. (laughs) Well, uh, Isabeth, it's been a wonderful journey through your life. And we're so grateful that you came on and enjoy and and talked to talked about business and art and all things faith and guns and florida and everything everything about osha and now everybody that listens to this podcast you want to say hi to your grandma she's the one that's left yeah okay hi Hi, grandma i love you Thanks, Grandma, and, for listening. And then the, also the OSHA agent and your FBI agent is also listening. Yes, you're always contact your daily OSHA representative. And you're always IRS, keep in contact. And your IRS agent is listening too. Because okay. Each and, person and, has one. Okay. Each person had one. And everyone, make sure <laughs> that you keep your IRS agent close close by at all times. Okay. They run they away. They're adding. They're adding. You need to keep a toddler leash on them at all times. They're adding, they're adding 325 million IRS agents, which is one for each American. So that's, that's wonderful. A I'm not scary. sure where they're getting these people, but well, thank yeah, you so much, Miss Sweet. <laughs> I was going to say employment is not in good standing right now and just yeah. an average everyday America. So no, I don't know where you're spawning all those people. But <laughs> well, where are you going to pay for it? I don't know. Uh, that's always the thing. Well, it was a pleasure. Thank yeah. you so much for having me on the podcast. I know it's been a it's been a pretty long night. It's nine thirty where I am right now. It's your bedtime, so got to get to bed. You little whipper snapper. And oh lord, <laughs> you know have you know you're got to get ready for your coffee, and you got to have your coffee ready. And I can't drink cereal. coffee. Okay, drink your coffee. tea. I don't drink tea either. Okay, I drink like almost half a gallon of water every day. Though. Your beer, your Michelob. beer. I can't drink either. You can't have your Michelob? No, no. Well, you are going to probably ingest some kind of liquid to stay alive. H2O. Okay. Thank you, Miss Sweet. Of course.